Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Family Records. My name is Matt Rodolfi and with me as always is my cousin Blake Sweet. How you doing buddy? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Doing all right. I'm tired. It's been one of those weeks. It has. It's always one of those weeks in the world and in (laughs) work, family, all of it. Well like doing this kind of stuff on the side like it just I feel like it'd be a lot more exciting if this was our day to day. I'd have a lot more energy, that's yeah. for sure. Because <laughs> that's the thing, like having day jobs, it makes it so much harder to have energy for this kind of stuff. Problem is, we don't, you don't ever get there unless you do the day jobs. Yeah, Even I the know. greats, all well, maybe not Joe Rogan, but like, oh, Joe Rogan had to start somewhere. Yeah, but at least he had a career in comedy already. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess now that's a good point. That probably was kind of his day job, that and calling fights, and then he's just like, I want to talk to people. Well, even before <laughs> that, like. Like, I don't, I don't remember what it was he did, but like Joe Rogan talks about starting out and he was just, yeah, that starving artist doing yeah. this on the side and sure. Or doing stand up on the side. Oh right? yeah, yeah. He talked about that. I've heard that too. Yeah, Cause he's talked about like he was living on like 200 bucks a week for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's tight. I've yeah. been there. I mean, granted, this was when Joe Rogan came up, so I'm sure 200 bucks a week went a lot farther than that's it does true. Now. I mean, with inflation, I can't go like to five? the grocery store without spending 200. dollars I don't. I, someone like that going from there though to being like putting out there, like being a little bit more disconnected from people now, where he's like, if you don't have like a cold meditation chamber in your house, <laughs> what are you even doing with your life? It's like, okay, Joe. <laughs> like he built up that massive like compound that he had for all these years and then when covid hit and he was getting sick of it he just moved his family to texas and then just built it again uh, <laughs> to have that kind of money yeah it'd be that'd be nuts it'd be, <laughs> uh, god talking about living the life just do whatever the hell you want um i mean he's so big now that like spotify had to cave and let him just say whatever the hell he wanted in order yeah. to keep their exclusive deal i mean he could have just walked away from yeah that. yeah and yeah when, well i think it was a negotiation for a while lose? right because he was supposed to be off itunes at a certain date and i remember that date came and i was like he's still on itunes oh yeah i was listening months. on stitcher and i was yeah. still listening to joe rogan for several months after, after that contract I, was and signed. then all of a sudden went on there it was all gone and for us as listeners, it is pretty easy. I, at first, I was like, well, why would he do that? I'm not going to just go download Spotify. But then now I'm like, people are talking like, oh, so-and-so was on Joe Rogan. And I'm like, all right, well, I got to go listen to Joe Rogan. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I just open up Spotify. and <laughs> I, I re-downloaded Spotify just yeah, to listen to Joe just Rogan. Just for the occasional <laughs> Joe Rogan episode. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, anyways, so today... We have a special bourbon that I picked up in my New Hampshire times. Oh, yeah. I see this here. Is it what? what's special about this bourbon? So this is a maple bourbon. It is Metcalf's Vermont Maple Bourbon, as I mentioned on the last episode. So apparently this is a thing. Um, I went to some places. I, I went and um, met up. I, I so you know. got Vermont bourbon in New Hampshire. Well, Why yeah. not New Hampshire bourbon? Okay, I'll be honest with you. 
I, uh, there was a distillery about 20 minutes from where we were staying in New Hampshire that made a maple bourbon. And I was like, I'm going there to get that maple bourbon to bring back for family records. Um, and then I looked it up and it was only open Saturdays and Sundays. We were only there for one Saturday and Sunday. And one of those days I was taking the kid to an amusement with the kids to an amusement park called Storyland. So that was out and they, they had like weird hours too. Cause it's like the off season or whatever. And then I, the other day I, uh, I realized that with all my kids and stuff like breaking away to go get a whiskey was not as simple as it would have been when I was like <laughs> single and on my own. Um, uh, so I, I, so I, I saw, I w- went to the local store liquor store and I just kind of dug around until I saw some stuff that was local and this caught my eye. Apparently it's a thing, maple bourbon. I, I met up with some people uh, at a dinner one night. Like we went to this kind of like social thing and we're chit chatting with people. And uh, this one dude was telling me like the things that are badass here. I met, we met this guy who was like visiting, but he's like a, a paramedic in the Ukraine or something. Oh, geez. And he's like, but he wasn't Ukrainian. He was from like the U S but he's like there. I forget what company he was with. Was it company or I don't, I don't know. It might've been medical military for all I know. Well, um, I mean, I'd hope it was medical. Well, it was medical. Cause he said Being he was a like, paramedic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, he was just, so he's just talking about it. He's like, his brother moved to New Hampshire and now he's there all the time. He was like a New Yorker or something like that. And he's like, God, it rules here, man. New Hampshire's awesome. I love it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. He's like, have you had the syrup yet? Do you try the maple syrup? And we're like, <laughs> yeah, actually we had the store. We saw a local New Hampshire maple syrup. And so we're like, Hey, screw it. They're going to get it. So what did you do? Were you just like trying spoonfuls of it? The maple syrup? Yeah. Nah, man. We would. We. I had a family, a big ass family. So we're like buying eggos and stuff for home. Like so, we're eating it on like ego waffles. I shouldn't say that. I had a Belgian waffle at a diner with the local syrup too, which was a good. The syrups were awesome. I could imagine. I mean, like that's where it comes from. Yeah. Even whole area. even like just up north is where in Canada it comes from. Yep. And and he said the other thing that he found he loves about that region. That's so badass as this dude's just pounding drinks is the maple <laughs> maple bourbons. Cause I was like, I'm a whiskey guy. He's like, did you try any of the maple stuff? I was like, uh, no, <laughs> I will say the, I think the only other maple bourbon I've seen was like bird dog, which is the distillery that does all the weird flavored bourbons. Uh, okay. And, uh, with that, if we were to just pour it into a glass and let it sit here, I'd be smelling it from here. Oh, it's that bad. Yeah. So well, I don't the know fact what that I is. can't smell this from here. I'm optimistic. Yeah. The guy was telling me, he's like, I don't know. I'll sip on it. Cause that's my thought. I was like, I tried the brown sugar bourbon. We tried to sip it. And it was like nasty after a while. And like peanut butter bourbon too. Yeah. I it's can't just sip not- it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I know what you're talking about. He's like, I like sipping this stuff. I don't know if this brand is one of the ones he sips, but we should try it before it gets too cold. I'd be happy sure. if you like to continue to talk about New Hampshire, but Let's see. I don't really smell anything. It smells like whiskey. Yeah, it just smells like whiskey. All right, let's try it. Oh, yeah. There it yeah, is. No, it's, it's very maple It's very maple I kind of like it, though. It's sweet, but it's not like, like you said, it's not like syrupy sweet. It's close. I mean, it is there, but I don't know. It might get old after a few glasses. Right. Well, I mean, caramel's already like a common flavor in bourbons. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if the maple kind of just falls into that category a little bit. I wonder if this is better sitting and drinking by a fire on a snowy day 
in like January. Oh, dude, maple like bourbon in the snow. Vermont. That sounds delicious. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but, but when you're going to get skiing the oh, next yeah. morning. But like New England snow, like that big, fluffy, wet snow. If you say so. I don't Where's, know much about New England snow. Well, I just, having lived in the Midwest, that's not the kind of snow we get. Yeah. Even the snow we get here in California, it's different. I, I was told that the snow in New Hampshire was like, like they deal with ice more than anything else is what I heard. I believe it. Because the, like, they'll get like a snowstorm, but then it'll be weeks of, I mean, cold, like 30 degree weather or whatever, but with sun shining and no clouds. So I guess it like melts it enough, but it doesn't melt. So it just becomes kind of, so I guess black ice is a big deal out there. Well, that's, but that's actually generally what you deal with in snowier climates. Like it's sure. not like it, it's not like in the wintertime, it's just dumping snow the entire time. Most, yeah. of, most of the winter is sunny and 30 or below. So it's kind of like the winter here. We just get rain instead. Yeah. Well, most well, years. Yeah, not, not lately. <laughs> this is good, dude. Yeah, I dig it. This is really good. I guess now I have to go to New Hampshire and buy some maple bourbon. Yeah, apparently. Uh, hmm. My, what's funny is that maybe I will try and get a local one. I'm going again uh, with my dad. That's right. I don't know. I told you this before. <laughs> This is a very complex issue where my dad and I scheduled a trip because we were, I was curious, I had other reasons to go visit. So we had scheduled something for November um, and then our Hawaii trip, obviously all that happened and me and Chelsea were just like, which it's a good thing you guys, (laughs) it's a good thing you guys decided to do that because I feel like I've heard about people getting stuck in Hawaii now. Really? I didn't hear about that. Well, because didn't they shut down travel for a while? Is it still shut down? Did they shut it down again? We got to cancel. We had to cancel because like the governor came out and was like, please don't come to Hawaii. And like all the all every amenity and everything we had ordered, like we went out and like, yo, they're saying this. Like, should we cancel? And a lot of them were like, yeah, everyone's canceling. You should cancel. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, we got know. most of our money back except for the plane tickets. But um, we just turned around and put all that to go to New England. It's a lot cheaper to fly to Boston and. Oh, I could rent imagine. a place in New Hampshire than it is to on a beach in Hawaii. So, well, it's funny because you don't think of it this way because of the way that maps show the U.S. Mm-hmm. But it's I'm pretty sure it's a shorter flight to Boston than it is to Hawaii. Uh, I mean, no, it was about a equal flight, about five and a half hours. Hmm. So, and distance covered, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. It was like it's like 2,600 miles from where we're at to. New Hampshire. I don't know what it is to Boston. Probably around there. But let's see. Hawaii. But yeah, no, I I, oh, I don't want to. Oh, it's farther away than Hawaii. Hawaii's oh. 200 miles closer to us on the West Coast. But yeah, like I, I don't want to get fact checked on this too. Like I don't <laughs> know for a fact that Hawaii shut down travel. I just feel like I've heard that. I haven't heard that. Uh, I know that I know that they did like at the peak of all the COVID thing when everyone was afraid of it. Um, but I don't, I don't know about now. I just, if, if that is the case, I'm glad. I'm glad oh, yeah. we didn't go. Although what a hell of a place to get stuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. I guess you wouldn't really be able to do a whole lot. Well, and the problem is like, you'd be stuck, like to be stuck there is like, it's not cheap. That's true. Being out there. Although weirdly, like Chelsea had some friends from our before life, before the kids and stuff like that when COVID hit and they were like clearly going to be in lockdown for more than 15 days to sp- slow the spread, they just 
moved out there. Like while hmm. they could, as soon as like they could get on a flight before everything got shut down and crazy, they just went there and they were like, okay, we're just going to live here uh, <laughs> rather than at our home. We can work remote. We're rooking remote. So uh, we would see videos of them like on the beach with their kids, like, like, damn, just living their best life <laughs> during COVID. And then when things started opening up and the vaccines were coming out and we were supposed to be free from the, you know, because the vaccines were supposed to set us free. Um, then they came back and. I don't know where they're at now on all that because obviously we're we're back to yeah the world's they might have jumped the gun a little bit yeah and coming back assuming that the <laughs> vaccines would save everyone yeah maybe but I don't know man I it's weird that I'm going again so soon just for a weekend basically um, instead to, we decided I was talking to my dad we decided we're gonna mix it up there's a another part of new hampshire i want to see so we're going to go to like portsmouth which okay. is like on their coast i was like screw it i want to see the coast there's like two sections to go that's to. that's the part i'm curious yeah. about because it's got what like 18 miles of coast yeah i think it's 18 some people say 13 i don't know which it is but on wiki i think it says 18 so yeah it's just like the shortest coastline in the u.s <laughs> um so i was like all right in the, the city of portsmouth it looks like from the map that it's like um one of those cities where like the other side of the bay is right there, like five minute drive, but the other side is Maine. You know what I mean? Like one of those are like, Oh, that's kind of fun. Uh, will happen to be going as of right now. It says it's going to be a cold snap with like high days of like 45 degrees. So it'll be cold. Um, so yeah, you'll get to see if, uh, you'll get to see what the winter's like. Yeah. Like kind of, I mean, it's November. You get yeah. to see the cold, uh, but you know, things well, feel different. In, I want to see what 45 degrees feels like there versus here. In most cold climates, November is winter. Yeah. I don't know about New Hampshire because like I keep hearing New England actually gets all four seasons and <laughs> you know, I that's something that's just foreign to me. Yeah. Cause here you just get summer and then less summer. Well and then in the Midwest you I was get say. in the Midwest you get winter, still winter, construction season, and almost winter. <laughs> So we do. We did get Kinda four seasons more, yeah. in Montana, but <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I all I know is uh, the leaves were just starting to change when we were there, and it looked gorgeous. Uh, but it wasn't like today. I saw some pictures on Facebook of some people I know that are out there, and I was like, the same. This oh, I'm going to butcher the name of it. I think it's called the like Kangamangus or Changamangus, uh Highway. Uh, that we drove. So I told you we went to Storyland on Sunday when we were there, which is this like local amusement park that I thought mm. was going to be all crappy and run down because it was like $30 admission. And it ended up being like the cutest, cleanest, most like perfect park for the price uh, thing. We had a freaking blast there. It was super cool. Um, and on the way back, we we decided we'd add 10 minutes to our drive to drive through the White Mountains, like Kangamangus. Mm. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering that name. The locals were saying it kind of like that, but it's not really spelt like that. And other locals said it differently. So I didn't know what to believe, but it's like a famous one that out of towners come in to drive. Cause like when the leaves change, it's supposedly gorgeous. I wonder if that's a thing. If they just, they know you're an out of towner and they're just trolling you by a, yeah, maybe (laughs) calling it different things. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but it was beautiful, dude. It was like this just gorgeous mountain drive. And it was, but it was just at the beginning like, you know, some trees were were kind of like golden or red and, and some of them were in sections or like, you know, half the leaves, <laughs> like literally the half of the leaf on each, <laughs> you know, was like changing color. So it was like you could you could see enough to go like this is going to be gorgeous. 
uh, but it wasn't quite there. Today, like I said, on Facebook, I saw it turn and show it to Chelsea. I was like, that's the highway today. Someone took a picture that we drove you know, a week and a half ago or whatever it was. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, it's on fire. It's beautiful. Like the, the golds and the reds and the browns and all that stuff. But that's a bummer. We missed it by a couple of weeks, but. Uh, and then by the time you go again, all that'll be over. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm going to go in November. Everything's going to be empty. <laughs> well, we figured we're going to go up there. We'll, we'll, we're going to go that way. Cause it's kind of centralized. Cause my dad and I were like, my dad and I are different than me and Chelsea or like my mom who went with us. My dad's like, Let's go do see some stuff, you know, like, so we're like, um, right. He wants to do the touristy thing. Yeah. Well, let's go have lobster in Maine. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. So we go to Portsmouth because well, there's, there's a city I was curious to see. I wanted to see Portsmouth and like a little bit of the coast uh, just to see it. Cause I've been there now. Like, why the hell not? We're planning on going to New Hampshire. Um, but it's like Maine's literally right there. So it's like, okay, from there we drive. I don't know how far we'll figure it out into Maine. Go find a good place to get some lobster. Like, Hey, cool. We're in Maine. And then we figured we're there for like Thursday through Monday or whatever. So we're like, we're going to go down and spend like a day and a half in Boston too. Cause that was the big bummer of our trip this time was flying into Boston and seeing Boston. I'd never been there and just like getting in a car and driving out of it. <laughs> you know, Like all these kids is like, we have no time to sit and enjoy the beauty of this place. We have to just leave. Because <laughs> uh, they were cranky, but but yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm jealous. I know I've been wanting to go out and see New England because that's like I've done the East Coast thing before, and we stopped short of New England. We yeah. stopped in New York City, sure. which like NYC was cool. Yeah, but it's just I didn't feel like I saw enough of the area, and I've just never been back. Well, New York City's not new england right like it just there's a whole there's definitely a different vibe um like boston and in new hampshire like the cities in new hampshire like manchester and, and concord and stuff like they had the like steeples and the brick buildings you know like that new england look was there uh in the big city of boston and the local little cities but like new new obviously new york is yeah new york city jungle. is just <laughs> I, I feel like upstate new york probably feels a lot more like new england but i honestly couldn't Maybe. say yeah, I, I have no idea i haven't been further north than manhattan i've been i don't know about upstate i don't remember where i've been i've been to some of the main state that's not new york and it's like when we're doing drum corps and stuff but like i don't know just look like modern buildings where we were at so yeah you know you see enough of those out here yeah yeah exactly because that's i feel like that's a whole thing too like as much as i like living in california there's not quite as much history here as there is in other parts of the country. Like, yeah, that was the coolest thing. Moving to Montana for me is like, yeah, I mean, the history in Montana goes back to the 1700s, the Jefferson presidency. And that's mm. just in terms of being part of the United States. Yeah. Montana has been settled since like the 1600s. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. No. Um, French trappers would come down from Canada and settle Montana. Huh? I I learned that was it was French territory up until the Jefferson. Oh, okay, presidency. that makes sense. I I didn't know this. I I learned this while I was out there. Um, apparently, New Hampshire, French Montana. <laughs> Get it? Just it's a rapper. Oh, I didn't. I I, I know pop culture. I laughed. So <laughs> I um, apparently, the first uh, was it like the first action in the Revolutionary War was in New, in New Hampshire. Oh yeah, you knew that. Uh, 
Fort uh, the Fort Mary and John or something like that. Well, I, I know that, I know there up. was some significance in like the pre-revolution in New Hampshire. Yeah, I mean, in general, like the northern colonies were really where it all started. I mean, you they know, were one of the original. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't hear about the uh, Fort William and Mary. The revolution began in New Hampshire. Uh, let's see. Did yeah, you don't really hear about like the um, you know the Charleston, Virginia Tea Party. <laughs> it's the Boston Tea Party. Yeah, you know, it's oh, that's it, true. That's yeah. It all started in the northern colonies. The southern colonies were just kind of there. Well, <laughs> check this out. So the commencement of the large scale rebellion in the American colonies began with the Battle of Lexington Concord on April seventeen seventy five. As Everson wrote in the Old North Bridge and Concord here, the, 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 however, four months earlier on December 14th, 1774, an incident took place in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and part of the reason I want to go there, uh, that could rival Concord and Lexington's claim to fame as starting it. Their first battle of the revolution was um, the locals taking over the fort and kicking the English out. God, I love that. In New Hampshire. And then that was it. They had no other conflicts of, or anything in New Hampshire. They just like, that, that was their thing. They're like, before the revolution was fought and stuff, they had their one little <laughs> fort and they like kicked them out. Like, all right, we're cool now. <laughs> we're doing our thing. So New Hampshire really hasn't changed a whole lot. Well, what's their I, motto is from live what I understand free or die. Is, yeah. That's the same <laughs> sentiment they have up there now. Yeah. For real. It, it definitely felt like that. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I know this is true for most parts of the U.S. Aside from big cities, and like, let's be real, the Bay Area is probably the only suburbs that are all under the same like mandates as the major cities, except yeah. that we don't have the vaccine passports yet. Well, because um, we're kind of in a weird setup where the suburbs are all in the same county as the cities. Yeah. Well, I mean, like. California's weird in the way it's set up where the Bay Area is like four or five counties. I thought it was seven counties. Is it seven? It might be seven. I don't yeah. know. Um, but yeah, it's seven counties and it encompasses this huge area. It's that a includes big includes all of yeah. its suburbs, all of its metropolitan area. And it's even though it's seven counties, they're all relatively similar in terms of. Well, I think LA like is about government. to put in their passports and stuff too, right? Show your papers. Yeah. So, um, LA is about to enter that too. And they're in a similar situation. That reminds me. I had to show my uh, proof of vaccination for the first time yesterday. Oh yeah. For what? I went and did a, uh, I did a show at a comedy club for the first time. And it was that particular comedy club was checking a vaccination status. Oh man. Did you feel special? I did. I felt so special. special. I'm on the good team. (laughs) Pretty cool. I mean, like that part of it was weird, but it was, uh, it, it being my first time performing in a comedy club, it was Still kind of an awesome experience. First time performing in a comedy club? Yeah, a lot of the... uh, So, like, I mean, our listeners know I'm still relatively new at this. It's not like I'm on the level of, you know, I don't know, like Dave Chappelle or Joe... You know, I'm nowhere near that level. Yeah, I'm aware of that. I'm still... You're not... Yeah. Yeah. But, like, so a lot of the open mics and a lot of the shows that people get on at this stage in their career are not in comedy clubs. They're in dive bars. Oh. Okay. So, you know, I'm so used to dive bars where it's like you're performing in front of a crowd of like one or two people and then a handful of other comedians. Okay. Who don't laugh at other people's jokes. It's just not a thing. Sounds fun. Um, <laughs> so that's getting up in a comedy club. It, even though on paper it was still an open mic, it was in front of a real audience and it was that's cool. actually up on a real stage. Because that's the other thing too. When you're doing a show in a dive bar, you're 
just kind of standing on an open patch of floor. How'd it go? Uh, it went well. I mean, I like I've still got a long ways to go, but it's it's a very different experience. And like I can go and do ten minutes at the dive bar and not get a single laugh, and then go do that same set in front of a real audience at a comedy club and get a ton of laughs. Oh wow! Because it's you're in front of a bigger crowd. You're not encroaching on Barfly's space or performing for other comics. They're there you're to laugh. You're performing for an actual comedy audience. Yeah. And holy shit, the experience is so different. Sure. Um, and all of you were vaccinated, so you knew that you could just be yeah. comfortable around oh, each other. Yeah. They were accepting uh, negative tests. <laughs> so I can't promise that everyone was vaccinated. Because you would totally uh, get tested so that you could go watch an open mic, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> of course. Of course. You know, I mean... I don't know. That's just, I mean, I need to shut up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we shouldn't talk too much about that. Up. I mean, I don't want to we, say we've things. been outed by a certain somebody. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Already. And all your friends believe in that stuff. So um, <laughs> that's fine. Um, that's fine. People fleed that in the past. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but New Hampshire, that was the cool thing about that. No, no suburbs that everywhere we went. Um, no masks. It's, it was a breath of fresh it's air. It's such dude. a trip. Like, cause living here, you kind of just get this picture in your head. Oh my God, that, like, this is really good. Right. <laughs> it's not getting old yet. Yeah. But yeah, living here, you get this picture in your head of like the entire country is doing this where they wear masks everywhere. Yeah. And you see people wearing masks in their own car by themselves or Driving, walking their dog. Yeah. And it's just, it's not like that. That is unique to here. And it's not even just unique to here as in California. It's unique to like the big metropolitan areas. Yeah. Like even Sacramento is a lot more lax well, than I the mean, Bay Area. Like you said, Boston is like that. We flew into Boston and it was like we're masked. Everyone's masked. Everyone, you know, like it's a, it's a weird thing that's happening now too where everything is like, okay, you have to social distance. Social distance is still a thing, but there's literally no social distancing. Oh, yeah. No, like, no, no. That's gone. No. You just mask. Dude, even before the vaccine rollout, it was gone in the big cities. Like, um, like I went to San Francisco a couple months before the vaccine really got rolled out. Mm -hmm. It was like weather was warming up and shit was opening up anyway. Mm -hmm. And everywhere we went, big crowds gathering around, pushing each other. It felt like San Francisco, except oh, wow. half the people were wearing masks. Um, half, but it, half weren't? At that time, weren't they, there like outdoor mandates? Well, I mean, we were at like the wharf, which is the big touristy spot. Yeah, I know, but like, isn't that, that was like, even in the suburbs where we live now for a long, long time, we had outdoor mask yeah. mandates. Yeah, no, it was, there were people walking up and down the wharf, no mask. Wow. Um, and this was, yeah, this had to have been in like March, huh. maybe April. Wow. Um, Surprises me. It It surprised me too. I was like. Because this was at a time where, yeah, cases were really high in California. And I was like, this, you know, the, like, I'm all for it, but this doesn't seem smart. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I, man. I, I've gotten to such a point now, though, where it's just like, oh, fuck it. I didn't get COVID. So it, it was weird being in a place like New Hampshire. Because New Hampshire's not like, I feel like it's not the same as rural Pennsylvania or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they are up in the mountains near the border. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, mm -hmm. Oh, what kind of farther away? And like, 
the people, even the locals that I was talking to, just like chit chatting, like it seemed like they're, they were, some of the people I talked to were fascinated when they found out we were from California. They're like, Whoa, like, like you're not masked. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? They're like, well, I mean, most California, like they still wearing their masks. Like that's how we know when you have someone from like New York or California, like, Whoa, that's weird. You know what I mean? And they're like, they just, they, it's, so foreign oh dude it's a real thing like i mean i talked about it when i was in montana uh you know i mean yeah you said it was just normal yeah we went there just normal yeah there were there were no stickers on the ground for social distancing nobody wore masks were there not just like in new hampshire were there not just like masks just debris like trash littered everywhere like that's the beauty of the bay area is uh there's poop on the streets in san francisco and then there's just torn up discarded masks oh, yeah, all no over litter. the freaking suburbs and all over the place you know yeah, no litter litter is a california problem <laughs> uh, <laughs> the amount of masks there's something weird and dystopian about seeing masks like on the ground just torn up you know what i mean like like in amongst the litter and debris it's very bizarre it's just yeah it's weird it's like yeah, it's there with the human feces yeah. and the hypodermic needles and the cigarette butts. It's wild. It's just it's weird. I I I think part of that's just that no, that's litter people. is a problem. Yeah, here. no, no, no. I get that. I'm not saying it's like But yeah, no, it, that's that's the weird thing too. Like up in Montana, it had gotten to a point where even like businesses weren't requiring their employees to wear masks anymore. That's New Hampshire was. It was it, I saw it was it, it was it was like getting in a time machine and going back to 2019. I saw we went to like Concord, which is like the state capital there, right? Right. One store that we went into uh, in the capital, a couple of them would have like the sign, like, um, like please wear a mask. Or- well, like if you're unvaccinated, we strongly encourage you to wear a mask or whatever. Like, but there's like none. Actually, I shouldn't say that. We went to a Ben and Jerry's in a little town, Meredith. <laughs> Like out of, it's in the middle, like it's just this like by the lake, little beautiful town. I love this town, but randomly the Ben and Jerry's because we had to go to Ben and Jerry's. My well, wife loves New Ben and Jerry's. The home of Ben and Jerry's, yeah, and there was it? an actual Ben and Jerry's. Like you could go there and get it. That was she a, does know that there's Ben and Jerry's stores here. No, I didn't know that. That's a thing. There's, I think there's one on Fisherman's Wharf. Oh, oh, maybe that but, must be a newer phenomenon. Yeah, no, like there's actual Ben and Jerry's brick and mortar places oh, even okay. on the West Coast. But yeah, no, no, I still understand because they're from Vermont. Right? Oh yeah, there's one in Oakland. Look at that. Uh, yeah, they're they're from Vermont, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So like that's it's definitely a whole special thing. It's like I don't know. It's like going to Southern California and getting in and out there as opposed to getting in and out up here. The uh, that might be a weird comparison. Sure. But well, that that was that idea of like going to where the place is from. Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was the only place we ran into where it was like masks required regardless of vaccination status or whatever. And we were like, oh, and tons of other people are walking up and going like, oh, no, and just leaving. <laughs> like, damn. Well, I mean, that actually kind of makes sense, right? Because isn't Ben and Jerry's like pretty active in that? I have like, no idea. Pushing masks. I have and- no idea. All I know is they had a, a uh, walk up window. So we just walked up and ordered because they want to try. But I was blown away. A lot of people were just like locals and stuff, like walk up and see it and be like, uh, and the guys, the people working there be like, we can order at the window. They're like, no, we don't want to give you our business or whatever. It's like, damn, it is is a different world. It is (laughs) such a trip to me how different 
different parts of the country are dealing with it. Like yeah. the fact that that's even normal there. Yeah. Whereas here, like even in Livermore, which is, you know, it's a lot I, more I sh- lax I than say, other places. I shouldn't say that there weren't that. anyone wearing masks in New Hampshire. We did right. see the occasional person wearing a mask, but it was more right. like same with Montana. It's it's it, but it was more like um, that was the one that was the out of the norm, right? Like it's the people so that were masked that, were getting weird looks. Here, I you know, you walk down the street out in the open at a park or something like that without a mask on and you'll get weird looks from someone wearing three masks, you know, like out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> that's 40, 50 feet from you. So um, the dichotomy was was back. Like the one we did go I to mean, one store in Concord where it was like the, the people working there. It was like this bookstore, this very popular bookstore. And the people working there were all required to wear masks. Everywhere else we went in there, people weren't wearing masks. Every other store we walked into. Uh, it's just funny the way that it's like kind masks. of refreshing, man. We had to dig through the car and try and find our masks in order to fly home because we forgot what we did with them. <laughs> right? It was wild. That was, I, I think when I went to Montana, I packed three or four masks. And the only time <laughs> I ever wore them was in the airport. We did that too. We had like backups in the, you know, yeah. in the, in the diaper bag and. Oh, of course. And then, yeah, you just end up not needing them ever. I will say I, I, that was the longest, the flight and the airport and all this stuff was the longest I've ever had to wear a mask nonstop, which I didn't realize in all my time in coat. Like, occasionally I wear it at work and stuff when we were doing interiors uh, for a while. And, and but, but like I could step outside when I go outside, I could pull it down and have a breath of fresh air and all that stuff. But I'm asthmatic. And I've heard people when this was all happening, be like, I'm asthmatic, so I don't wear masks. And I'd be like, Okay, like you know what I mean. Like I'm asthmatic. I don't know what you're talking about. Then I realized I never worn one that long because then I, I'm this, oh, on this plane and I'm like, oh my god, I can't freaking breathe. Like, dude, <laughs> you know? I'm like, I'm not asthmatic at all, and it's it gets uncomfortable for yeah. sure. Like, like I mean, I've talked about my 14 hour flight to Montana, and like that. Laying over in the Denver airport, there was one place where we could go to step outside, but it was one of those things like, like it's meant for if you're traveling with a pet, you can take them out there to yeah. relieve themselves. Uh, so we weren't like hanging out there for stretches of time and be like, oh, we go hang out in the airport with our masks on for four hours uh, and then go and get 30 minutes of fresh air. And like four hours of just hanging out in the airport with a mask on is brutal it's rough it's rough like i i feel bad for those like people who are working full-time in retail and food service and stuff who were just yeah i feel bad for the kids to take it off the kids is where i really feel like yeah poor ellis like in the he did a good job of it but like he's playing his video games five hours of flight and all the airplane stuff but like He's like going to eat a snack. Also, I'd just like to say there's something weird about the airline announcing like it is a federal law to take your mask down at all. And like there's some dude where it slipped below his nose and the whole freaking airport, the whole staff freaked out, was getting on his case till he pulled it over his nose. It's like, okay, whatever. I, whatever. I get that. That's fine. Whatever. But um, the fact that then they go, okay, you are allowed to take your mask down when you're eating and drinking. And then they go down with the cart one line at a time. And it's like, so the whole flight, all at once, all takes our masks down to eat. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it just seems weird. It's like, well, and they've they've done studies on this. That doesn't. That's not a problem. I don't know. I don't know enough about this. I guess I don't know. It, well, it's hard done, to find truth about it. 
They've done studies on this too. Like it's the airplane itself is a relatively low risk place because they say it, they're HEPA filters and yeah. Yeah, because the yeah the air is so heavily filtered on the plane that yeah. the concern about air travel is being in the airport. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's it was weird. I don't know. I I don't. I don't. I don't want to talk about masks. Yeah, and COVID I, I, anymore. we've we probably gone on this ranted enough. All I know is, if you haven't been to New England, it was gorgeous. I'm sure there's. I mean, there's people that just live there. I would talk to this lady, a clerk in the grocery store. Somehow I got in the conversation. My mom's talking about being from California and this lady's this like, I don't know. Like, cause my mom's like, it's beautiful here. How do you handle it? It's so gorgeous. You know? And then she's like, I don't know. I've lived here my whole life. I, I think it's kind of boring. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You're like, Oh, I can see that. Yeah. See, that's, that's one thing I never got in Montana. Like all the, all the locals and the like native Montanans, they love it. Yeah. Even, even if you don't really have a whole lot going on that you're doing Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, if you were from Montana and that's like what, you know, a lot of those people can't imagine living anywhere else. Even the people with like very little hobbies or, you know, really anything holding them there. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, I moved there and I lived there for six years and having grown up in California, I think I'm just a little (laughs) too urban for that life. I, I, and that's it's weird to say because I grew up on a ranch. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm the redneck in all my friend groups. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I think about that all the time with like New Hampshire and stuff, like because it's like gorgeous, and I'm like, it, this is beautiful. I want to live here. This is amazing. You know what I mean? But then you also like people like talking about the snow and like you're like, oh yeah, New England winters that kind of sucks. But then you realize like most of our country, like aside yeah. from the American Southwest, really, and the South in general, like. So most yeah, of our we're country, the weird ones for yeah, not having to deal with deals it. with that, <laughs> and it's like, and even in the south and stuff, they like deal with the opposite of like that insane heat and humidity. Well, I, I know that New England got, gets a lot of humidity, but like that heat is not the same. And then you've got Texas that gets it from both ends. <laughs> apparently, I don't. Vegas I, snow. Oh yeah, because well, this last year. Well, yeah. the big I, it cracked me up hearing like how bad Texas shut down over that, just because like. Like I have driven down country roads where literally the snow banks on the side of the road are higher than your car. Yeah. And so it's, you got to realize that Texas didn't have the infrastructure built for that. That's true. They well, didn't that, have pipes built to handle that cold. They didn't have, they don't have snow plows and stuff, you know, like, well, yeah, no. And they're that's, not built for that. It, it took me a minute to realize that. But my first thought was like, Oh, they're freaking out about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, Still above 20 degrees and yeah, sure. there's barely any snow on the ground. Um, it, it reminds me of, I think it was a one of these last Christmases, uh, your sisters came up from San Diego and they got stuck on the grapevine for like eight oh, hours. Yeah, in the snow. For Yeah, they say in the snow. There wasn't even any actual snow on the pavement. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a light dusting on the hills on the yeah. sides. Again, the infrastructure is not really built. It's not built for that there. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, though, I think about this like, oh, New Hampshire. And then you, you, you have a little bit of that like, oh, but they get snow. Like, they get snow on Christmas every year. Like, we got, think of the thought of like sitting by the fire, drinking your maple bourbon, you know, like watching the well, snow fall on Christmas Eve. And isn't New England where you can count on the uh, the porn companies to plow your streets? Wasn't that a whole thing a couple years ago? There was like some big heavy snowstorm in New England and Pornhub bought a bunch of plow trucks. Oh, that sounds familiar. 
I, was it there? I don't know. Cause I, it was either New York or like Massachusetts. Maybe. Although but, they have a lot of that infrastructure built in. Like they got snow plows and stuff. Like their landscapers cut your lawn in the summer and then plow the snow in the winter. It is so funny how that works and how smoothly it works. It's that's, pretty cool. That's really the one smooth thing about the transition from summer to winter, at least in Montana, mm-hmm. was like like everybody who had a four-wheel drive vehicle had a plow that they could just clip on the front. That's cool. And, you know, they'd go out and I, that was just most people's jobs for the winter. They just go out and plow? Yeah, they just go plow parking lots because there was, you know, they're like I said, it's not like it was constant snow, but there was it snowed often enough that there was always work. Sure. Um, I think about that when my profession. If I lived in somewhere like that, like, well, and, yeah, anybody who works in a you know in a labor job like an outdoor labor thing, painters, construction workers, mm-hmm. landscapers, you got to find a way to make money when the that's snow's what I'm on the getting ground. at. I don't know like what they do pe- out there some during the winter. Some people do interior work exclusively for the winter. Well, I'm sure you can't um, paint the outside if it's snowing. Yeah, but a lot of people will just take up snow removal. We'll see, but I can't even. Oh yeah, I can't even imagine though. Like if I'm a painter, I can't. I can't imagine what I. I I've had the thought to like call a painting company in New Hampshire. And just be like, hey, my kid's doing a project. Can I ask you some questions? Because <laughs> you know, like, I'm just curious now. I've been thinking about it. It's like, because I can imagine like, okay, doing interior work. But like living in California, it's a very different thing. If you're out there, it's snowing. There's feet of snow. And, you know, like you you're, you're pull up to paint someone's interior. Like, I, I don't know. You're like you in and out, grab everything. Like you're in a snow jackets and stuff. And then you go in and like pull everything off. And then you're painting their house. Yes, and like, that's exactly. Well, and no, like, if you need something out of the truck, you got to like put everything back on to go get it out of the truck. You, like you don't bother bundling up like that. It's just, just it's just not sprint. worth the effort. <laughs> um, like I, you know, like I used to go out and get the mail in the wintertime just in well, shorts and a t-shirt. You because said that the was, snow comes in like waves. Yeah. So it's, if it's a lot like the rain here, it's like. I imagine it's like people probably aren't maybe not painting on the inside when it's actively snowing. But yeah, if that's only happening that. like oh, a few days of heavy snowfall and then you're you got three weeks of, of sunshine, but it's only 35 degrees the whole week. Well, part of the problem there is the unpredictability of it, because mm. um, because that's I don't know if it's like this New England, but in the Midwest, it was like, you know, the forecast could be, OK, sunny and 35 for the next five days. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just get a two day blizzard in that's, the middle of that five days of sunny and 35. That's like reverse California. And nobody predicts it whatsoever. And vice versa too. Like you can expect three days of heavy snowfall and then it'll be sunny. That's how this summer has been in California. Have you noticed? Like it'd be like it, it, we're in the middle of a heat wave and it's like, oh, this is hell. And then it'd be like, oh, look on Wednesday, Supposed to drop down to like mid seventies. It'll be comfortable for like two weeks before next heat wave. Cool. And then you get to Tuesday night and you look at it. And it's like, hey, where'd that go? And all of a sudden the heat waves back, and it's like, ah. it's finally it's been just, cooling down. Well, right but now we're this is the first time we're recording without the air conditioner going. But it, you know, and this isn't going to last because it stays yeah, it's warm to, into November and here. You know, next week it's supposed to be in like the freaking nineties again or whatever. Oh, it's October, next, dude. Yeah, dude. I'm 
I'm, That's another reason. Like growing up in California, having this drought and stuff, and you just go to New Hampshire, where we like. Okay, we looked out the window as we're coming into like land. We're leaving California, and Chelsea's looking out the window. She's like, "So brown, California's so brown." And then we're landing over in Massachusetts, and we look open the window. We're like, "Oh my god, it's so green and beautiful, dude!" <laughs> it's dude. Incredible. Okay. My first like experience of living in Montana that sticks out. I had. Uh, I just moved into the dorms. We were doing training camp for football. It was day two of training camp. And we uh, we went into the auditorium for like a hour-long team meeting. It mm. was hot. It was like 95, 100 degrees out. We were all sweating our asses off. Nice. We go in for this meeting, and we come out, and the temperature had dropped like 40 degrees, and it is pouring rain. Oh, boy. Pouring. Like, like. You've been to the South, those big, heavy raindrops. Yeah. That's what we were getting. Yeah. And it was just, I was mystified. Slappy in the face. Yeah. (laughs) And I was was mystified because this was, when I went to college was in the middle of like the big drought from a few years ago. Yeah. You know, this is because in 2014, it was like right when it kind of, they said we were out of the drought, but it seems like we're back in it now. In 2014, let's see, we'd been in a drought for like six years. Yeah. And so, like, I'd seen rain maybe five times over the course of the last six years of living in California and day two of being in Montana in the summertime. It's just full blown, like, monsoon rains. That's awesome, though. And, Sorry, like, thunderstorm. That. And that happened. We were in Texas when I was marching core. We were they, in El- the whole thing lasted like 20 minutes and then it was sunny and hot yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> we like I said, we were in Texas and, and we were practicing. We were all on the thing and, like, it was a beautiful sunny day, and all of a sudden, there's these dark clouds in the distance, and someone was like, that had been there, because they all know, you know, they travel the country oh, yeah. all the time, and they're like, all right, wrap it up, and we're like, what, what? You know, especially all of us uh, newbies, <laughs> like, what? And they're like, come on, got to get everything, all the equipment out, everything, and we're like, it's it's still sunny, and they're like, look at that cloud, and you're like, that's so far away, like, maybe California, and you know, like, that's not going to get here till like, tonight, and then like, okay, so we start packing stuff, and then all of a sudden... You realize as you're starting to get ready to pack the last things in to get in, like it's been 20 minutes and it's like all of a sudden you realize it's not as sunny as it was. You look up and all of those clouds are over you. And then, like you said, the heavy rain, all of a sudden you just get right in the side of the face with this fat raindrop, you know, like, (laughs) whoa, what the hell was that? And then another and another. And then boom, all of a sudden we were sprinting into the house, like pushing xylophones and shit, like as fast as we could, as we're just suddenly being pelted with Dude, the most intense rain I think I've ever experienced in my insane. life in July. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. It's yeah, so pretty cool though. Bailey's parents have a, uh, have a cabin uh, by the lake up near Billings. And uh, like we have this thing called the three o'clock cloud. Any, anytime we're there during the summertime, uh-huh. you know, the two months out of the year that we get where it's not unbearably cold. Uh <laughs> Anytime we're out there around three o'clock, same thing. That big dark storm cloud is just off on the horizon. Oh, interesting. It looks hours, maybe days away from where we're at. <laughs> but, you know, so three o'clock, you can see it by three thirty. It's on top of you. That's and so you, wild. Yeah, you've got to get the boat out of the water. You've got to get back up to the cabin. And then that's just that's when the drinking starts. That's wild. 
<laughs> that's so cool ah, who am i kidding we we were drinking in the sun too it's just where the indoor drinking we're starts. so spoiled in but- <laughs> california dude i remember we were driving through like freaking like iowa or something when i was on drum corps and all of a sudden it's the middle of the night and then we're like passed out it's like 1 a.m or whatever driving on the highway the whole core is like in the bus all passed out and all of a sudden you're like waking up to these like lights suddenly like light light we're in the middle of nowhere and then everyone's like yeah, yeah wake up like looking out the window you look out the window and you're just in the middle of this massive lightning storm dude it was incredible. like just in the distance close, awesome just like lightning just hitting the grid not and it's not high up like in california when we get lightning it's low oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's low you can see the top of the clouds it looks like it's freaking 100 feet up and it's just bah well and you bah, can see where the everywhere. lightning hits and you can see at all times, there's one. There's so many hitting the ground. There's just like, yeah, this is a lightning storm. There Dude, is just lightning everywhere. What the hell? I always thought that shit <laughs> terrifying. was cool. It the, was cool. The, the, the memory I'll never forget, man. The terrifying part is when that is accompanied by hail. Yeah. Because like, like we get hail here sometimes. Yeah, occasionally. But hail here is not hail. Hail here is heavy snow. Like compared yeah. to the rest of the country. Yeah. Cause like, um, uh, like, I don't know if you've seen all the dents and shit in my truck. I've That's, heard that. Like that uh, you get like those golf ball size hails, right? Dude. No the bigger huh? baseball sized hail, dude. Damn. I like my truck is all dented up because we were having dinner at Bailey's parents house and I just parked on the curb. It was it was sunny. It was hot. It was like August. Jeez. Um, and we're in the middle of having dinner, and all of a sudden we start hearing thunder, and we're like, "Oh shit!" We go and we look outside, and there are just baseballs falling from the sky. God damn! <laughs> does that hurt? does that like bust up houses and shit? Yes. Wow. Actually, so our um, our cousins Kent and Janet, who lived up there for a long time, uh, when I first moved up there, they were telling me the story. They have or in their old house they had skylights and they came home from work one day to see a like softball sized chunk of hail sitting on their dining room table it had busted through a double pane skylight wow yeah (laughs) and like people have to have their roofs roofs repaired all the time oh wow roofers make a shitload of money In Montana because That's of that. That's nuts. So they came home and dinner was ready. <laughs> <laughs> that might uh, be the family record for this episode. Well, I don't know because they might be bronies has a family record too. What's that? Well, I mean, they pissed somebody off so bad they joined our discord just to tell you guys off and bounce. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just something that happened today and I felt like I wanted to talk about that somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, no, I wasn't too happy about that. I mean, I know that it's bound to happen. That's a very offensive podcast. Not offensive, but like... You talk about all the time, like, Family Records listeners should not go listen to... Yeah, it's really not appropriate. Because it's very inappropriate. There is a warning. Yeah, and it's just... Mikey made the point today, because I was, like, feeling kind of crappy about that. Because it's like... They're, like, making it... The fact that we made a joke about... um, I don't want to say, but we made we made a joke, an inappropriate well, joke that was a little bit too far because it wasn't. I'll say this, I don't want to say it on family records. Well, let's just let's just say you guys make a lot of inappropriate jokes, and very it's, inappropriate. And it seems like one went 
too we far made it for a listener. Towards the wrong character. And because like it was pretty par for the course for the jokes we make about Whoa. the different characters, but it was if for it's the what wrong I think character. of, it's a relatively tame one. I thought so too. I mean, it's, I mean, no, I may say some messed up stuff, but, but it's like as a comedian, I'm jealous that you guys beat me to offending somebody. <laughs> I don't know. It messed with me today, man. I was like all messed up. Like I got kids and stuff. So in my mind, I'm like a little angry. Like, yo, I got kids. You really think I'm serious about this? It's a joke. You know, if anyone was actually saying or doing some of these things, like I'd freaking beat the hell out of them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a joke about a cartoon. Um, Anyways, it was messing with him. Mikey pointed out though today at one point he was like, "Yo, our theme song says." Um, That's what I was gonna bring up. Yeah. Krista makes tells everybody <laughs> if you're, you're not offended, offended easily, easily, then join my, Matt and Mikey here each week. Like it's in our, and that made it's, me feel it, better. He actually, even rhymed it. <laughs> yeah, that made me feel better. I was like, you know what, you're right. Like I, Chelsea too was like, "Hey, it's a sign that you're making it." And I was like, I don't know. I, I, See, I mean, it's uh, comedy is about nuance. So we've kind of taken it hard. Mike and I had a long discussion about it. Like, all right, maybe we did not cross a line necessarily, but we might've pushed it a little bit well, too comedy's far. Comedy's about pushing the envelope and taking risks and stuff like that. Like in the pursuit like, of comedy, not for the sake of pursuing. Right. Pushing right, right. The envelope. Well, well, and that's, I do believe in that that's distinction where that fine line is. And then, you know, there are certain comedians out there that are relatively successful who sometimes, cross that line and that's that's part of it that's, well it's like Chappelle right now is getting a lot of stuff for crossing that line well, the thing is i was telling mikey dude, today that general, like, Chappelle is a master of comedy so he's pushing the envelope now that he's kind of that's where it's like your genius level he's established he's obviously a master of comedy he's pushing that envelope to like you know put to well it, dude there's, there's like, guys that just push the envelope for the sake of pushing the envelope and then you're just being a dick well, and like, you know what I mean? That's even here in woke ass California in the, in the comedy scene, I see that. And I see both sides that I've, I've performed with the like really woke, really progressive. Like they're up there for claps, not for laughs. Yeah. And then I've seen the, um, you know, the complete opposite, the people who are up there saying offensive shit just to be offensive. Hmm. Neither of them are funny. Cause they're both pushing the envelope too far in the wrong direction. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, but like, yeah, you see it everywhere. People like that's that's the art of comedy is finding that line in the pursuit of comedy. Like you said, like if you're just doing it to be offensive, you're just being a dick. Look at yeah, you know Michael Richards. Yeah. You know, like he just got pissed and started spouting offensive shit because it was hurtful. Yeah. And look what happened to him. Yeah, that's what happens to you. Well, you guys it, weren't trying to be hurtful. You guys weren't trying to be offensive. And the thing is, like, like well, I maybe said, you were trying to be offensive, but again, in the not really, of comedy, we're being offensive to be offensive, like not to be offensive. I, should, I shouldn't say that. We're it's enough. It's not. We say bad things on that show. Like, there's a lot of it's avant garde. Yeah, it's a lot of <laughs> sexual jokes and like a lot of it's oriented towards each other. But then we also like crack jokes just in a super casual well, way a, about these well, ponies and and a big part of it is you're addressing the stigma of bronies. That's the other thing is we got into it because it's like, like hey, that's, we're, that's where all the sexual and inappropriate jokes come from. Stigma is the stigma on the bronies, and yeah, it was like that was one of the reasons we we're like, hey, we can just go be our dumb, inappropriate selves. In this, like, this is obviously now. To be fair, we've learned that that's the enigma in the Brony community that got all the attention. So there's a right. lot of people that are into the My Little Ponies that are very, a lot more family friendly. So we realized that we're not as appropriate for 
the brony audience as we as we thought. Um, but we're not going to stop. We're having fun. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and, yeah. And, yeah, it's inappropriate and offensive. And if you're listening to this and you know who I am, please, you shouldn't go listen to it. But understand that it's just me and Mikey screwing around. So yeah, and it's, when, when we push it too far, I don't. Again, it's you guys being you guys, but also taking on this thing that like, yeah, it's a heavily stigmatized. Well, we've mentioned Legion of Skanks yeah. on here before. And like they, I couldn't even imagine you guys what aren't they would say. Yeah, to we're not even close to the things they say. <laughs> not even like, that's the other thing I was sitting there thinking about. Like, you know, this isn't even a freaking sliver compared to the things Dude, they say. Although to be fair, the Legion of Skanks have articles like hate articles written yeah. about them. All the well, time. It, just, it hurts, man. Someone joined our Discord. They were there for a week, didn't say anything. Yeah, they just lurked. And then just all of a sudden, like, hey, you guys, I can't believe you do this. This is appropriate. F this. And then just gone. And it was like, whoa, what? You know, like, I I almost am pissed that they just left. Like, can we have a conversation? I want to know that exactly what we said. Like, I want to know exactly what, what it was that went too far. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. What can you do? I... I all you can do is let it roll off your back. We knew that when we put ourselves out here for this stuff that we'd just be, I mean, it's just out there. We're just trying to be ourselves. If you can't gather from all of our shows and who we are, that we're just normal guys that aren't complete. Well, we are pieces of shit, but we're not complete. Right. We're pieces of shit on the inside. Yeah. And Fat Tango is where we express that. Well, but we're not like <laughs> vile human beings. Like no. this, the accusation no, is kind got, of thrown at us. I'm like, I got kids, yo. We've got, we've got a dark sense <laughs> of know? humor and that's, that's pretty much it. Aside from that, we're just like everybody else. God damn, this maple bourbon you know, is delicious. I right? can't, I can't get over it. I keep waiting for it to get gross, but it's not. Well, like, like, <laughs> Like we've had the conversation here, right? We kind of envy those people who their thing is they can just come home from work and lose themselves in the video game world. Yeah, no, and that's be nice just, to just like do our that. thing is dark humor, and our it's, I don't even know it's that dark. No, it's it, not dark. Dark's the wrong word. I guess edgy. Well, I think like we, we have a kind, yeah, like some of our edgy. shit is edgy. It's kind of edgy. It's uh. What is it? Uh, kind of, because there's so much edgier stuff well, out there. Well, again, that's edgy is a very broad term. It can be anything from, you know, offending polite sensibilities like making sex jokes, or it could go as far as like, you know, racial material or not stuff really. Like that. Though like, we don't really make racial. No, no, jokes. no, 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 no. I'm saying edgy comedy in general, not what you guys oh, do. Yeah, I was just saying not like what I'm, we do. Um, but like edgy comedy is a very broad thing, and you guys are definitely kind of just scratching the surface of edgy yeah. with bronies yeah i that, feel like that's we're just why it's the funny surface. to me yeah that's why it's funny that someone was so offended yeah <laughs> like you guys we're not that bad yeah. well that's nice to hear well the, All things the fact considered, that in our like discord you, we you're had worse than us yeah. on family records but that's because family records is not meant to get into yeah. that edgy territory it as was much. nice that like our first fan like brody chimed in and was like yo dude it's fine. You know, yeah. I mean? like you're not that bad. I was like, that was kind of, it's like, to be fair, I know Brody's like one of us, you yeah. know what I mean? Like Brody's kind of down with whatever. Like I can listen to some really messed up comedy that I would never joke about myself and, and understand where the, 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 the pursuit of comedy in it. Um, it seems like Brody's right there with us. So oh, yeah. having it, having him come in and be like, yo, that the fact, was helpful. The fact that you, yeah, the fact that, the bronies at least have that one diehard fan that's like got your guys' back yeah, yeah. is awesome. Brody rules, man. <laughs> Shout out Brody. Shout out Brody. Brody, if you're ever in California, let me know. You come on our show. <laughs> For real. That dude rules. 
Uh, God damn, this is good. How is it like? I'm really liking this bourbon. It's rich without being sweet. Does yeah, that no, make sense? Like, like it, it tastes like maple syrup, but it doesn't taste like I'm drinking maple syrup. Yeah. Which like, is because that's the problem that I had with like that bird if, dog maple. If Jack Daniels is, made this, it'd feel like they just take Jack Daniels and then <laughs> squeeze a bottle of maple syrup into it. No, 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 like two shots of Jack Daniels and then a bottle of like yeah. Log Cabin. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, Jack yeah. Daniels maple syrup, maple whiskey yeah, tastes like. It'd be like, like <laughs> you'd feel it. No, this this tastes like whiskey with like a hint of maple. Well, and, and it's more than a hint no, too. It's like it, it's, it's it's very forward. It's and forward. It's full, but it's not overpowering. And over, yeah, it's not overpowering. It mixes yeah. well with the taste of the whiskey yeah. instead of just masking it. God damn. Okay, when I come up next time, I'm gonna buy a few bottles. <laughs> I'm gonna be bummed not to be able to get this. Actually, maybe I should go look at Bevmo. Who knows? Maybe they got this stuff, and I still know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I almost never know what to look for when I'm you know, at BevMo because I have way, such a huge selection and it's like, okay, we've had that one. I've had that one. I've had that one. And then here's 40 more that I haven't <laughs> had. I went to a couple of the liquor stores out there, the government or the state run ones or whatever uh, that we talked about. And it was basically BevMo. Yeah. Like well, it was clean. It was well run. State run liquor stores are no different from other liquor stores, except that they're state run. Well, it was like a BevMo, but bigger. Really? Yeah, like like that's insane. Because like all the state-run liquor stores in Montana that I've seen are like tiny. Oh, really? Yeah. No, this felt like big Bevmo and that like your aisles. Although they didn't have, they had a lot, but not the selection. Because like I was looking for something to drink while I was there. I told you I drink Riders Tears. That was the bourbon, the right. whiskey I grabbed while I was there. But I was looking for Navigator because that's like been my become my favorite uh, of all the whiskeys we've tried so far. And like some guy came to help me and I even asked him and I was like, you know, can you, you have a navigator? He looked it up. I'm like, no, we don't have that. Like, oh, well, navigator is kind of special because that is a Bay Area whiskey. Is it really? It's from Napa. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. So good. It is awesome. Yeah, it's so good. But it's, yeah, it's aged I just in got barrels. Two bottles for, it's aged in were, barrels from Napa, oh, from nice. some winery up there. Chelsea was uh, shopping for it for me. She went to go get me a, a bottle of whiskey and she's like, hey, your navigator's like BOGO. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, she's like, yeah, it's Bogo. Where was, like, was it Bogo? I need to go get some. Bevmo, go check it out, dude. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not. She's like, yeah, it says. I was, she's like, you want me to get two? Like, it's, there's no way it's Bogo. Like, but if it is, get me two. There's no way it is. And I came home and there was two bottles sitting there. She's like, yeah, it was five cents for the next bottle. I was like, oh, my God, what's wrong with Navigator? Or what's wrong with freaking uh, <laughs> Bevmo? That is so dumb. This is one of the best freaking bourbons ever. That is one thing that blows me away because almost everything is more expensive here in California than it was in Montana. Yeah. Liquor was like the one thing you you did not put liquor on sale. You had to go to a special liquor store and it was just, you know, a bottle of Jameson, which cost like twenty two dollars (laughs) here is thirty five, forty dollars. there. Yeah. And I, I don't understand it because everything else is so much cheaper. And like, I aside, that, from, aside I from that, that weird thing, New it Hampshire seems like too, though, laws are a lot more lax. I think I pay like five or 10 bucks more for rider's tears than I did here. It's a weird thing. California's got some weird laws like uh, like that. Alcohol, it seems like is cheaper and more readily, readily available. Also, like 
California. Oh, right, because in New Hampshire, you can't buy it at the grocery store, huh? No. You or could buy has, beer and wine. I saw some beer be, and wine. It has to be a state-run liquor store, right? Yes. In New Hampshire? That's what I'm saying. It was like the That's same store least, everywhere that you could buy liquor. At least Montana, you could go to private liquor stores, but they had to be liquor stores. Oh, interesting. And if if the liquor store was attached to like a gas station, it had to be separated by a wall and a door. That's so, so like wild, they had to y'all. be treated as separate businesses. It's 2021. That's so wild. Dude, dude, you know what's fucking wild? If I wanted to go, like if I wanted to try my hand at making my own bourbon, I'd have to go get a license for it. Even yeah. if I was just making a single batch just for me, just to try, and I would this, have to go at get the a same permit. Time, and it's like a $15,000 permit. Yeah. It's insane. It's nuts. It's weird California because like obviously that's like in it, it's a lot of progressive Miss insanity or whatever and a lot of things in California. Like in my industry, in the paint industry, like every three years or so, the freaking uh the 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 rules change for what's allowed to be in paint. So like every Dude. three years the paints change and people can't use it to touch up. And that's frustrating for people. However, that's something we have to deal some, with in the power cord business. Oh, really? I did do power cords are the simplest thing. It's copper and plastic. That's literally all the power cords are made out of uh-huh. for the most part. And like every year we have to like reapply for some certification saying wow. that we don't have this. I think it's up to like 213 hazardous materials wow. in our products. But yeah, it's like every year we have to re up for all of our products and say, yes, we don't have any of these things like lead and uranium and all this shit in our, it's like, no, it's copper and plastic. My dad used to say California's paints are so uh, uh, friendly that you could drink them. <laughs> I would like to say, don't drink paint. That's not what I'm. He's not. <laughs> God, I wish you would have told me that twenty minutes paint, ago. But he's like, I get the point he's making. Is like, because like people always worry, oh, the smell and they're like, Cal- no, you don't understand. We're in California. Like the paints are. I mean, they're almost watercolors at this point, <laughs> dude. It's- you could. I almost feel like. It, I know enough about paint that if someone said, hey, you have to drink a shot of paint, I'd be like, well, I know which product I'm going to use. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I know enough about paint to know, like, okay, I'll probably survive this. Um, but uh, that's, again, don't don't drink paint. That's not me advocating for that. Yeah, no, no, no. But- we, we can't stress this enough. Do not <laughs> drink paint. And definitely do not send a video of it to familyrecords at fattango.com. Blake. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> no, seriously, do not don't drink paint. That's that's bad. Don't do it. But that's one like this California things where every few years the EPA stuff, like every few years the paints change. The same exact color. Like the wall in the studio right now. I painted this what two and a half years ago. Another year, there's a good chance the exact same product, the exact same color won't touch up. Because it's just changing all the time. However, other things in California are super lax, like homeschooling. Like homeschooling is one of the most lax th- uh, states of all. Really? Of them. Yeah, I learned this because with all the COVID stuff, we decided to homeschool Ellis for kindergarten. Yeah, it makes starting sense. it and everything's going on. We're like, well, it's, we don't it's, know where yeah. the world you is going. You can homeschool him, or he can learn on Zoom. Yeah, and it's, it's basically like, the same either way. Well, and it was a good decision because the school he was going to go to, like, what have they been open like a month, and it's already been closed like two or three times. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for kids that tested positive, like, ah, whatever. I always tell people, my progressive friends, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's COVID. So we're keeping them to be safe. And then my not like the conservative friends are like, well, you know, 
just don't want to deal with all that. So we keep home, <laughs> you know, like they, I got an answer for all of them. But, um, I've learned through that, that California has the most laxed homeschool. All you got to do is just not send them to school. And for some reason it's October, October, every year you just file with the state to be a school. You just go, Hey, my house is a school for my kid. That's interesting. <laughs> like that's it. And then you just every October you file that. So they, they are one of the most laxed homeschooling states of all the states, which I found very interesting. That is interesting. Cause like, like I knew some homeschooled kids growing up, actually my, uh, my boss, who's a family friend, his kids were all homeschooled. Yeah. That's, I think they put them into regular school around like fifth grade mm-hmm. and they all started a grade ahead of their age just because they yeah. were homeschooled. Yeah. They were homeschooled and they were allowed to kind of just teach their kids what they wanted yeah. and all their kids ended up having this, having this like desire for learning that gets beaten out of kids who grow up in the regular <laughs> school system. I was going to um, say, it's a weird back and forth because that like Ellis is definitely like, you know, my mother-in-law is here and she's a, director of Montessori school. And she's like, yeah, he's definitely ahead of where he should be. And it's like, that's cool to hear. But at the same time, like socially, there is something to that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. There's For something sure. to There's... that people. Cause I've talked to a lot of people that homeschool and they're like, you don't need that. That's a bull who wants their kids social. Like, socialization doesn't matter as much as uh, and it's like, well, there like, is put, something to that though. Well, and like putting your kids in sports and involving yeah. them in, extra, in extracurriculars, it helps, but it's not the same. It's a bummer right now though. Cause of COVID, we can't really even put him in a lot of stuff. Well, and that's like, um, which is a bummer. Cause like he used to do gymnastics and swimming and like all these act- little activities we used to do all the time. Well, that's, that's the one thing with like, uh, with my boss's kids, they at least did a, uh, it was like a group program mm-hmm. where like each, you know, a cup, a bunch of homeschool parents would get together and their, their kids would effectively be taught in a class. Yeah. And each parent or each set of parents would take a different subject or a different, um, I guess that's level. totally a thing. And that, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what Sudbury schools are, isn't it? I'm not sure about that. Or no, Sudbury schools are the ones where it's like democratically run by the students. <laughs> I'm <laughs> or, not sure about I, that. I, it, it, I remember I looked into them at one point. It was something like the students have a say in their own curriculum. I know that Montessori does that. Um, like at the high school level, the kids will like help out with the like administrative stuff for the school. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's similar to that. And it's similar to like, like the teachers in Sudbury schools are really just there to kind of answer questions, but huh. the kids are kind of picking their own curriculums. And if something has to be decided on by the, you know, like if the entire class has to be involved in something, then they all kind of decide on it together. Huh. It's, it's very interesting. And it's, like it really opens you up to how narrow minded just that cookie cutter public school system is seeing yeah. how many different alternatives there are out there and how they work. Like, like I said, I mean, my boss has five kids and all of them. I could be wrong at about least this. A grade ahead. I could be wrong about the stat, but I saw a stat uh, yesterday that was like uh, maybe due to COVID or whatever, but like currently one in 12 kids are homeschooled in the U S that seems high. It does seem high. Like I, I feel like high. two I know years ago it was maybe one in thirty. <laughs> I know that it's increased dramatically, especially with like the uh, like in California with the vaccination mandates in the schools and stuff. I guess there's been a huge uh, jump of people that are going that have already like told their schools like, all right, well we're pulling our kids. Um, 
Honest, ironically, what you talked about about the schools working together, like I again, I so I went to one thing when I was in New Hampshire of like meeting some people, like it's a little social event that we went to because I was like, hey, I, I I love visiting a place and getting a feel for the world. Yes, Do you know what I mean. So I'm like, okay. I, I like learning what life is. Yeah, a new I want to go to this like. place and meet a bunch of locals and see what it's like and just be like, hey, are you down to answer my dumb questions? Like, I'll buy you a drink. So we did that. And uh, someone, another person I talked to that uh, was uh, telling me that, like, they're, the homeschooling community in New Hampshire is huge. They're not as laid back and simple as California is, but people do homeschool, like, a lot. Like, it's it's one of the more relaxed, not as bad, as easy as California, but there's communities that get together that like homeschool their kids of all different ages together. And they do like a bit of unschooling where like they just take the kids out and they all go play like as a little local township community of like, you know, a dozen kids and then they'll get together and do schooling. And even though they'll range from like kindergarten to freaking, you know, ninth grade or whatever, they like, they, they, do their own schooling for their age group and they have like each other to help well, and help each other. And that's a the, fascinating thing. That's the incredible thing about this whole unschooling idea is it does. And I think I want to say it's yet yeah, Sudbury schools are like this too, where they, there's not so much of an age hierarchy as there yeah. is in, uh, but in, in a way they still focus on each individual kids, like the stage they are, they're in developmentally. Yeah. And they, work on building it's it's fascinating and i would love to actually see like which one results in a more educated kid which one results in a more socially educated kid yeah i don't know like because the the radical unschooling thing is fascinating who who is that like dana martin i just remember saying about the radical unschooling of like the whole idea that like your kid Teach your kid based on what they're interested in i always love that idea i don't know that i would go that far i've heard of like the whole like teaching kids basic math by teaching them how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And shit like that. And that's, that fascinates me. Like, does that actually, I I guess it could work. I mean, there's enough arithmetic in Dungeons and Dragons. If you're playing it regularly, I could see where you would pick up basic arithmetic from it. I heard an interview with the lady that did wrote the radical and schooling book. And she was like, you know, my kid was really into planes he got really into planes. And so my husband and I took that opportunity to be like, okay, let's learn about like, if you're interested in planes, let's learn about how they work. You know what I mean? It's like, so they learned a bunch of math about like lift and, you know, drag and like all the, cause there's like a mathematic element. And then that also led to like learning about different kinds of clouds because those kind of affect how to fly a plane and, you know, like all these different things. Like they just took the thing that they were interested in and, and, and found a way to learn all these other you know, basic things. Meanwhile, in my public education, I just know that the word Nimbus has something to do with clouds. Meanwhile, New York <laughs> City just banned, uh, they just got rid of all their gifted programs in the public schools. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, they just dropped all their gifted programs. So, like, there's no more, like, I don't remember, what the, I don't know what they call them out there, but, like, I was in the gifted program growing up for a short while <laughs> before high school. But you know, you remember that, like there was always the gifted program. Oh, yeah, these it was kids like, are uh, sm- like, I think in California it was gate. Yeah. They give you a little something extra. They take these kids for part of the day and give them something extra to challenge them a little bit more. New York city got rid of that, uh, because it was, uh, it's a weird thing, man, because, because 
certain ethnic communities weren't in it as much that way that because they weren't in it, it was racist. So therefore ban the whole thing. Yeah, I don't, it, I don't understand all that. I mean, I'm maybe there's a reason for all that. I, I don't know. It seems like you're just being kind of racist when you get rid of stuff based on that, but that's, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't really into that. No, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying that for my, when I look at it in perspective, I'm like, that seems weird. Seems kind of well in general. You strange, want to foster this because kids just, kids have a natural desire to learn. This is a thing. Sure. Like every toddler, the first question they learn to ask is why, to and be, they ask it time and time yeah, and time yeah, yeah. and time and time again. To be fair, I feel like everyone in the gate, commu- like in the gate, like said, like I was in gate in California, but like all the kids in the gifted communities, all didn't feel particularly. Uh, focused and all kind of like dealt with like depression and stuff later in life. You know what I mean? But uh, I just thought it was interesting that he got rid of it. It, it, The fact that they got rid of it based on like a racial issue is what I Right. And not like, Like, oh, this is psychologically harmful. Yeah. Like like there's, I feel like there's good reasons to get rid of it. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like, I I feel like public schools kind of got a lot of flaws. I feel like I remember that too. Like there were problems with the gate program and yeah, you know, there, there, there was plenty wrong with it. Oh Yeah. It's just, it's weird that that's the line that was drawn. Yeah. Well, that's the world we live in now. Everything's kind of got to be connected to something like that. Uh, and, and I guess that's fine. Being a, of Hispanic heritage, I find it strange. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know, maybe because I'm mixed race, it's weird to look at it. And like, you know, it seems like it's become a racial issue, which I don't really like because I like the idea of not having race a part of things. Um, but you know, whatever. I don't live in New York, so <laughs> that's what people want. That's what people want. I do believe in people having what they want. So, um, but yeah, New Hampshire was gorgeous. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I, you know, tangent after tangent later. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know what to talk about anymore. I, I, I know we don't really like talking about these subjects i got something we haven't talked about in a while okay what dune the the most exciting thing close okay books books what are you reading uh so i just finished uh good omens today really yeah oh that is exciting so i listened to it on audible and i listened to it while i was at work so i okay. i would love to re-listen to it when i have more time to focus on okay. it okay because i'm sure i didn't retain a whole lot but no i'm sorry <laughs> that's one of my favorite books though i loved it yes i, I really so enjoyed the whole jet because like that's the thing when I listen to an audiobook when I'm at work, I miss a lot of like the finer details, but I for the most part still grasp yeah. the plot line and I still learn about the characters. And okay, okay. So I really enjoyed it. So you didn't watch the series, you just no. read the book. So can you see David Tennant as Crowley yes, though? hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Dude, it's like he was written to be freaking Crowley. Listening to that book, it was like Oh, this is David Tennant. Yes, you can see it. You can see it. Even Martin Freeman is a. Uh, 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 oh my God! Why can't I remember his name? Uh, oh, is, um, is he? It's a Dreezy. Yeah, something. Yeah, like he's that. got the weird name. Yeah, it's 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 a very. Is he Drusil or something? What's the Aramaic? Right? Isn't yeah, that the language? Like that. It's like a very Aramaic name. Yeah. I love that book. I'm was, so glad you read it, it dude. I love I, it. I literally listened to the. I guess it's the epilogue, but not really the epilogue. I listened to it on the way here. Oh, really? So I, ju- finished I, I finished it literally finished right it. before you got yeah. here. <laughs> oh, I love that book. 
And it was uh, making me want to listen to it. It was again. like, man, I'm so close to finishing this. I've got to power through because like <laughs> I want to talk about this. This was okay. a lot of fun to listen to. And because it's the whole book is kind of just it's Neil Gaiman. And who was the co-author? Oh, uh, the, oh, God, I'm going to because I'm kind of drunk now. It was these guys um uh, interpretation of like the end times the apocalypse. Yeah. 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 It, I, God, Terry Pratchett, Terry, Terry Pratchett. Pratchett. Yeah. But it was so much fun hearing their take on like this story. Cause it's a story that revolves around this angel and this demon. And it's like, they have this bet going. Well, they throughout the, the whole thing. You know, it's like this big cosmic bet. What's the bet? Just in general. Cause right. Both of them are the ones who were watching over, the so yeah, they're 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 both. It's this, their job. It's like to, hell and heaven. Both have an angel and a demon on Earth to watch. But it's not just to watch. The thing is, they go to the Antichrist. They they they're on Earth because they're like just the representatives of Earth, and they're there the whole time. And then they're reporting back to heaven and hell. Right. And then when the Antichrist is born, they kind of have. It's is it a bet? To me, it's like a pact. They're like that's true. They're like, hey, this I like Earth, and I'm kind of bummed that it's finally ending so they kind of like go into it like what if we make the antichrist kind of good and evil <laughs> and well, like, that, that was kind of my takeaway and again yeah. this is my like you know kind of half paying attention and retaining oh, okay. what retaining on I mean, what kind i can of a hear because they're they're they are kind of but against yeah, each other it's, it's but they very are clearly much of, friends it's very much a like okay it's inevitable this kid's gonna grow up to be evil and yeah. then the other side is oh no i think this kid can turn out okay yeah I um, love there's that scene like where they're like they go they did in the book they did in the book right too where they're talking about their like time and history together yeah. whatever there's a scene where they're watching the guy get crucified what happened oh some guy yeah getting crucified for saying something inappropriate what do he say Just get along and love each other <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that'll do it. <laughs> uh, I well, love and just that in general, like. In the context of the book, wasn't like Crowley was the serpent in the Garden of Eden, mm -hmm. and uh, God, I, it's bugging me that I can't remember the guy's yeah, name. I'm looking name? it up, um, and he was the angel that was like guarding Aziraphale. Aziraphale, yeah, yes, yeah, because right, he was the angel with the flaming sword the that flaming was guarding sword, the Garden guarding of the Eden, garden, yeah, guarding the garden, <laughs> yeah, no, and then they're there throughout all of history, it's right, because it, it picks up. In the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? Because they were referring to Crowley as yeah. the serpent. My and favorite thing in that whole book is uh, that Crowley keeps a bunch of plants and he keeps them alive through fear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he did, like read about talking to your plants, but he just, <laughs> it's not about love. He does it through fear. So he threatens his plants to stay healthy. <laughs> Sorry, I love that. The, 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 and the witch hunters, the witch hunters, the witch were hunters fun are great. Arc. Yeah, oh, you need to watch the show now. I I really do because they I, capture it freaking perfectly. Well, and I I really want to watch the show because it's going to have my more full undivided attention than the yeah, book did. Sure, um, but I I also want to go back and listen to the book when I when it has my full undivided hey, attention because it was as a passive listen, it was a fun read. Um, I'll be honest though, like, like to that the point, book and the, I would and the stop, show are almost completely succinct. It was really there. It's a pretty close freaking copy. That's awesome. I think there's a couple. Like, that's, the weird thing is they're doing a season two. I and Terry Pratchett, I believe, died. 
So it's just Neil Gaiman guiding a season two. Interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, because that that was the thing about the book. It was such a captivating story that at times I, you know, I would be focusing on work and passively listening, and it would catch my focus, and yeah. I would just stop paying attention to work so and be good. like, "Oh my god, this is awesome!" It's so good. <laughs> Can I suggest Neverwhere? I know I've said that a few times. Uh, but it, I actually just spent my Audible credit on that this yes? month. Yes, uh, I love so Neverwhere. So that's that's my next book. I love that book. Um, that's so also bizarre. Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, isn't it? No, not Terry Pratchett, just Neil okay. Gaiman. Uh, but he wrote that as the, that like BBC show and then went like, no, I can flesh out this world better in a book <laughs> after the show and wrote it as a book. And I read the book first and I would recommend reading the book first. But I love Oh, yeah, Neverwhere. I'm excited for it. The I, Terry Pratchett, or not Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman doesn't screw around. No, he doesn't. Nothing, Anansi Boys was amazing. All of his books are awesome. Dude, Norse <laughs> mythology, which is literally yes! just an abridged version of the Edda, yes. is awesome. <laughs> yeah. No game and rules. I need to watch. I listened to Did you listen to Sandman? No. You should listen to the first Sandman because uh, that's like doing the audible style, which is doing like the fat tango thing where they add all this, have actors and add all these sound effects and like Dude. act it out. And uh, it's his. That reminds big- me. The narrator for Good Omens on Audible was awesome. Oh, he's great. He's great. so good. He had like, cause this is a problem that I run into a lot with audible Yeah, is like, even when the narrator does different voices, it's like, they've got three voices. And so characters get jumbled up to you. Yeah. This guy had distinct voices for every character in the book. Yeah. And it was awesome. And yeah, he was, was like great. going back and forth with accents and yeah. tones of voice. He, he did a lot better at vocal drag than we did in one sword stone. <laughs> a lot of those guys are, oh, that's great, dude. That's so awesome. That, oh, so that leads me to uh dune. Okay. Though, cause I'm excited. It's coming I'm out. So soon. pumped. It's like and three weeks, I, three weeks. I think you and I need to do an episode de- dedicated to zoom to dune. Do you think we can, uh, do you think we'll be able to get away with sneaking our recording equipment into the movie theater? Probably not. <laughs> Uh, where are we going to plug it in? I, I, I don't want to record when I no. watch it the first time. I <laughs> no. want to be lost in it and experience. I am on the fourth fourth book, fifth book. I I read, I listened to Messiah. I kind of like, I need to take a break between doing books. Really? Even Messiah, which was a very short read. Oh, you got to like, go to Children of Dune though. I Children it's of so Dune's good. on the list for sure. It's just, it's one of those things. It is one. such a big, expansive universe and there's so, so much timeline oh to keep God, track I'm on of the fifth book dude i'm on the fifth <laughs> i listened to it I started picking it up again this week and i was like this is wild this has nothing like beyond nothing to do with the first book well at this point it's not even frank herbert no right? i'm still on frank herbert he did the first six. Oh, i thought it was just the first three no i'm pretty sure it's the first six so i'm still on frank herbert but i now i am like 13 or fourteen thousand years after the events of of the original book, uh, it, but it's still interesting. It's Dude. weird how he's doing it. It's I get it. Like it's hard. I get why it might have fallen off because like you get you need to, every book starts with its own new um, exposition. Did you hear, what has happened? Way? All these things, and you have to get lost into these new characters and stuff. But did you hear by the way, Frank Herbert's from here? From here? Yeah, Livermore. Well, like San Francisco. No, I didn't know that. The uh, the house that he wrote Dune in. I thought in he was San- English. He might be English. I don't know. I know he lived in San Francisco. 
Because, like, the house that he wrote Dune in, in San Francisco, just sold for, like, a ridiculous amount. Really? It's like a two-bed, one-bath house. It, like, it's not a nice house at all, but it sold for a couple million dollars. <laughs> but that's the San Francisco <laughs> real estate market. Let's see if we can find that. Let's see. Uh, yeah, this is fun audio while we look this up. He uh, was born in Washington. Look at that. I thought that like it got popular in uh, the UK though. I huh. I don't know. I, I I can't confirm or deny that. Moved to California in 1949. Yep, Frank Herbert wrote Dune in this California estate, listed for 1.6 million dollars. Um. Yep, on Mississippi Street in San Francisco. Huh. Yeah, it it is a two-bed, one-bath house. It's listed for $1.6 million. That's wild. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize he was a Bay Area dude. Oh, yeah. The Bay Area in the, like, 40s and 50s was a very different place. (laughs) Well, uh, uh, like, true, but also, to be fair, like, actual sci-fi films have been shot in the Bay Area. That's true. Because we've got, well, we've got the Livermore Lab, the Sandia Labs. There's the Lawrence Lab in Berk- yeah, Berkeley. I don't know yeah. why I stumbled over that word of all words. Berk. Uh, <laughs> You're thinking of the city from uh, How to Train Your Dragon. No, I think I was, I was thinking of the sandals. Ah. Which everybody in Berkeley wears. Berkeley I don't know if that's true. Stocks. I'm just making a full... <laughs> full-blown generalization <laughs> about Berkeley people. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. I didn't know he was from here, though. That's awesome. I, I, I think, guess not from here. Well, but, not from here. He's from Washington, though. I thought he was like, yeah. English for some reason. I don't know where that came from. Now I need to dig in to find out why. But that's awesome. Dune rules. Dune I'm is sorry. Awesome. I'm on the fifth book, and like, there's a part where it's so different and so far gone from the story that's kind of concluded in three and then in four that it's like, I have no idea what on earth the story would be. This is this one is kind of beyond uh, the connectivity of because like between one and two, it's very connected. Obviously, you read Messiah; it's set like you know. Spoilers: Don't listen if you're gonna hear this. It's set with Muad'Dib, like older. He's just right. old. He's just old in that one. And then in the next one, it's he's you know not. Wait, no. Well, he's not like no, old. No, no, wait, old. Wait, he's wait, like middle aged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not old. He's he's been a ruler for years or whatever. Right, because uh, Aaliyah's like in her twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the third one is set like kind of connected to all that. Um, a lot more than the rest. You should re- you should really jump into Children of Dune. That one's kind of the trilogy ender. And Dude, then the it's... fourth one is like connected to all that in a big way, but also set like freaking three thousand years later. Um yeah. And then this new one, I'm like, it's not even like it's it's ten thousand years after that. Jesus. Yeah, and it's like the I don't know what the I mean I know kind of what the connection is, but it's ten thousand years later, so the connection is obviously absolutely severed. I mean, I want I want you to read it so I can talk about what the connection is because it's like not what you would expect at all. Um, but. God, you're still a messiah. That was a whole different world, man. I'm so my <laughs> mind's still in like well beyond Children of Dune. Yeah, no, dude, books are a weird thing for me because, like, I I don't have a mindless desk job anymore. Like, I actually yeah. have no, 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 shit no, no. that to draws fair, my I'm, focus. So it's these books that I really want to read, I don't want to 
I don't want to just listen to the audiobook because I'm worried I'm going to tune out yeah. so much important detail. Because that happened with Messiah. I like lost, you know, 30 minutes here, 40 minutes there yeah. of Messiah. Messiah is a short book, too. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was one of those things. I listened to the whole thing in a day, yeah. um, which is probably part of my problem. I should yeah. have been like setting aside an hour a day to listen or something like that. Because that's that's what I do with the Game of Thrones books. And I, I retained a lot of the Game of Thrones books because yeah. I was setting aside like an hour a day and I had somebody to discuss the book with. Um, all I'm, I'm, I don't get me wrong. I'm glad you read Good Omens, though. I'm. That's one of yeah. my favorite books. It was, it was a fun book. I also like. I'm also like read everywhere, but at the same time, like read American Gods. I've got so much reading. So, to do. Like, I know there's so much, well, and it's it's such a time commitment. Even audiobooks at work, like I was saying, because like, yeah. like I just had to take. I have. I took a book off from the book club because I just. I've still I've still got like three chapters left to read of Dracula. Ah. I fell behind and I've just been playing catch up this entire time. <laughs> um, what are they reading? What did they read without you? Uh, well, so they're picking the next book right now, but I've already made but you've opted like, out of this one. Like I'm sitting out because like I I can't jump into another book until I finish Dracula, and I'm not I'm also not going to hold you guys back from starting another book until sure. I finish Dracula. So I'm just going to sit this one out and hope it's not a great book that I really wanted to read. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, curious <laughs> to know what they pick, actually. I I wouldn't. We talked about me joining your book club. and I'm, it It's more of a commitment than I thought it would be to begin with. Although I, I can I can go through books. Oh, the yeah. problem is I might read. I might get ahead of everyone. What do you, what do you guys do? Do you guys chit chat about it? We, we try and make a point to like. So. There's a set number of chapters every week that we're all supposed to read, mm. and we try and make a point in our Discord server to discuss the chapters. Okay. And so we've we've got like you're on Discord, you get it. We've got three different channels. There's one for discussing the finished readings. There's one for discussing the current week's readings, and there's one for discussing spoilers. Interesting, because there are there are a handful of people that will read ahead. I think. Um, Wait, like so how many people friend, are in this club? There's like six. Uh, okay, I think it's yeah. It's not like a huge book club. It's a handful of us that like to read, and have all just kind of gotten together and decided we're going to read the same books. Okay. Who, who? So Jr's in it. Um and Sam, Sam, who I believe has been shouted out on the show before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, James. Who's been on the show? Oh, James is in it. Yeah. Nice. Um, James's brother, his best man, who he yeah, yeah, proposed yeah. to with flowers. The flower and, girl. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then there is, I think it might just be me and uh, Sam's little brother Jack. I almost forgot about him. Oh, okay. Can't forget about Jack. It's a vital member of the group. He's the one who <laughs> recommended Dracula and has been hounding me to finish the book. Aww. So <laughs> can't forget to mention him. And then our friend Clayton is tentatively in the book club. Do they still listen to this show? Some At least a handful of them. Hey, y'all, if you do listen to this, if you want me to join the club, I would. I'd be down. I realize some weeks when I catch up on podcasts and stuff like 
Dude, I have I'm at that point right now. To. I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to start actually spending money on Audible instead of just using my credits. The problem is I wouldn't read. If that's an issue that, you know, that I understand. I, I listen. I don't have time to read. I have three kids. Yeah. <laughs> but I listen. And I retain. I, I swear to God, I retain better than I do reading. I was that way when I was doing, like, work that didn't take a lot of, like, critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Now that I do, like, I have to read and write more for my job uh-huh. than I used to. So it gets a yeah. lot harder to it's, it's really hard when I'm reading shit and responding to emails and all that. And also trying to follow the plot of a book. Yeah. That's a little complicated. Um, I, I find it a little easier, especially on the days where I'm like, not like talking to customers and stuff and I'm just painting, but at the I same time book on and I can get hours of that book done at the same time. I have, I have read through two hard copy books now, and I think in general, in a week's worth of reading versus a week's worth of listening, I retain probably about the same amount. That's good. Give or take. That's good. Depending on what I'm doing at work that week or what book we're reading. But like, cause I remember that with Dune, like we would get into discussions and it'd be like, I read this book and I don't remember <laughs> that. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I'd be curious. I'm I'm curious. The idea of a Discord discussing books sounds kind of nice and yeah. fun. Uh, I don't know if anyone would want me in there because I'm clearly your weird cousin that's a not so closeted libertarian, according to Jr. <laughs> so I don't know if they'd want me in there with my opinions on Show Me Your Paper States. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, hey, I mean, if, if y'all want me in I mean, there, I'm, I can't separate. The political. I'm pretty upfront about my opinions on that kind of stuff, and they let me in the book club. So uh, I don't know if they would want another, but I, I I'd be down. I, I am interested in book. I've, I've been interested in book clubs for years. I love the idea of people getting together and just reading books. Right now, I've spent the last six years just going. All right, what do I want to read? Oh, yeah. I mean, I read Dracula. I read Dude. <laughs> like, yeah, well, Audible- I just picked up books and went for it. Audible has kind of been my like podcast supplement because like yeah, instead yeah. of taking on a new podcast, I will much rather just read when I'm yeah. all caught up on po- or not like listen to audio. Yeah, 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 I went through that. Like when I got well, into I, it, it was all like I read a bunch of yeah. I got into a bunch of philosophy and shit. Yeah, and then I finally um, like I finally just said screw it. Like the fun is in the fiction books. That's where I got. I was like, well. I, I'm out of this and I want some stories. Like, and, so Mike and I, and I like would, the odd philosophy book or something like that. Like, sure, um, I still do. I swear I just listened to one recently, but I can't remember what it was. It might have been like a Ludwig von Mises book. Love Mises. It, I, it, he is a very interesting economist. Yeah. I, uh, uh, Mikey, when I started working with Mikey and he was like getting into this stuff and he was like, hey, let's listen to all the Harry Potters. And I was like, all right, sure. And that's kind of what started me getting into fiction. And we listened to every Harry Potter book. And I was like, this is fun. It's fun Dude, to listen to stories listen rather to- than, you know, I mean, I love philosophy and all that stuff. But like at the same time, it, sometimes it's nice to kind of check out and let a story be told to you. So I I went through a phase and what really got me into fiction was um, I started looking for famous narrators. Interesting. So like, uh, and there, there were a handful of like, just, I listened to books because I like the actors that were reading them. Like I listened to one. It was, um, 
Oh, that's true. Before all that, I I shouldn't say it was Harry Potter because it was like Nick Offerman reading Mark Twain. Nick Offerman reading Mark that Twain was, was one a big, of the big one. ones. Um, I listened now, that to was well were, before Mike even moved here. There were a handful of books that I listened to that like I would have had no interest in except for the fact that like there was this book about some. Um, it was centered around a struggling writer in Hollywood who like finally managed to settle a script. And so the whole story is like him trying to make sure that this sees it through to the end. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was read by William H. Macy. Oh, okay. I fucking love William He's H. Macy. Great. So I just, I decided to get the book and it was, I, it was I a could fun not book. imagine him narrating. Cause he narrated curious George <laughs> the show. The first season of the show it's, that my son was it's into. probably closer to shameless than curious <laughs> George, but <laughs> Oh, and then uh, there was there was another one about like um, media bias and like how the media spins stories. Instead, it, it was a fiction book. It was from the perspective of yeah, a media a producer. The media would never be biased. Yeah, of course. no, but it was like it was from the perspective of a producer, and the whole thing was it was like this fictional story. Uh-huh. But it was very poignant. Like um, commentary is that the word on like how, on media spin and like uh-huh. how both sides of the media will spin a story to suit their agenda and shit. Yeah. It was read by Ed Norton. Oh, that's fun. And Ed Norton was a fun narrated or listened to just for the sake Could of you be a little <laughs> interesting archive here. I haven't checked this in a while, but I believe the term media goes back to the Greek. There was the Island of like media or Medes or something like that. And the media were these like wizards there that would change the truth. They like had this mat. They would practice this magic of influencing people by changing why do I and feel skewing like this the is, truth. Why do I feel like just the, just the, a little bit of information for you? I think that's very bizarre that we call it the media. Why do I feel like the term media was used in uh, what is it? Plato's Allegory of the Cave. Might have been. I, I don't remember. It's I, been a long time since I read that. Yeah. Right. Well, the Allegory of the Cave was in politics. Is that the name of his big? Yeah, work? I think so. I don't know. It's been a long time since I took this class. I was a political science minor. So like I should know this better, but I'm a political <laughs> science hobbyist. So you know, it's funny as I've learned more about political science from doing my own reading Dude. and deep dives into stuff than I did. For, and, and that's not like, it's not fair to my professors in political science. Who yeah. I greatly admired. I was just, I was a shithead teenager who was just doing uh, the bare minimum know. to there's, get the minor. There's a freaking level of that. Like you said, going back to public schools, college ain't no freaking picnic either. No. I was an economics major when I went to school, dude. <laughs> I was an economics major and I I'm stopped. Sorry. Well, I stopped because I was like, this doesn't make sense to me. I was getting into arguments with my teachers. I was like, I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. How does I fall through? Whatever, whatever. And on my own reading, like you said, like just nonfiction and stuff, I started discovering, like you said, you mentioned Mises and stuff, but like I discovered all these different economists and I discovered there were different schools of economics. Yeah, I didn't know that until after I started I was pursuing an my economics own major and no one told me there were different schools of economics. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that there was this whole big thing. I thought ec- economics Dude. was just what I read in my textbook. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, I thought this was just a thing. I didn't realize there was different theories, well, different schools. Well, and I, knew there, and I knew when like I, Adam Smith and uh, and Karl Marx 
But that was really it. And I knew that they were sure. two different schools of economics. But Well, and then, you know, like kind of Keynesian economics a little bit well, because like, that's what they teach them, the idea of separating I, macro and micro. And I that's what I got into arguments with the teacher. As I was like, why why is macro and, and micro different? Why wouldn't they apply the same? And we were getting arguments. And then when I, I started discovering different economists and different schools, and I was like, oh, there's whole schools that go, yeah, no, there's no difference. Well, see, that's the thing. I didn't know who John Maynard Keynes was until I started doing my own deep dives into, yeah, these, yeah, that's into true. these different I really, schools of economic thought. I was a freaking major in it. And I didn't I, know who he was. And then all of a sudden I took a, uh, I took a gen ed economics class and finally they started talking about John Maynard Keynes and like his economic system that he devised. Yeah. And it's like literally every other school of economic thought that I've read from like the spectrum to full free market capitalism to like communism his shit on John Maynard Keynes. Yeah, all of them hate him. <laughs> it's a very bizarre thing, and he's the one that was taught. And, and in school, they don't even mention him, but well, they're he's teaching the one, his. And he's school. the one our financial system is built off of. It's a very bizarre thing, and uh, I dropped out of economics, and I've learned more. So I had a natural tendency to economics, which is why I was trying to major in it because I was like, I don't really want to work that hard, and I seem to get this. But then I was getting into these deeper level stuff, and I was like, Why does that make sense? That doesn't make sense, and. uh I would get in arguments. I had a teacher that kicked me out of the classroom because we were getting into spits all the time. He's like, you can come back and take the midterms and that's it. And I was like, okay. And I aced it and I finally just dropped out. I was like, okay, whatever. And uh, yeah, all these years later, I've read so many economists since then and I've read so many different schools of economics. And I'm like blown away that, you know, little 19, 20 year old Matt, I didn't even know that there was different, there was different variations and ideas oh, and yeah. theories. Like, why dude, wasn't that the I, thing? Why was there no one introducing me to these different things? Dude, economics is fucking guesswork. The whole thing. Yeah. Like, like, and that's the thing that nobody tells us. Everybody kind of tells us this is this exact science and this one guy figured it out. Yeah. But no, it's just. Well, every, even say that. Well, you mentioned Mises just before. I like Mises shit. because uh, his like whole thing on praxeology. Yeah. The idea is like, no, it's not people making practical decisions for themselves. It's people making emotional driven decisions based on all kinds of things. His whole uh, idea that economics is just a thing that happens and not a thing that happens for specific re- like, um Like people don't just make decisions. Well, I've looked at these two options and this one better accommodates my desires in life and needs. It, you know, th- was it praxeology is like the study of human action. Right. So it's like, oh, yeah, no, people make decisions for dumb reasons and for dumb things. I think human action is the title of the book that I last listened to. (laughs) And it's like, it's like, yeah, no, people just make dumb decisions for dumb reasons, for all kinds of things. And the idea of economics isn't a thing that you can control. It's just a thing that exists. And when I read that, I was like, whoa, that's Dude, a it's bizarre idea. For sure. Cause I love yeah, it. Cause we were brought up everything that we were taught was, oh no, economics is this thing that you control with yeah. the banks and inflationary policy and yeah, deflationary yeah. policy. And I got an argument with my teacher. He was talking about the broken window fallacy, right? The idea like, oh, this guy, some kid breaks this window. Well, it actually boosts the economy because the store owner has to buy a new window and that pays the glass owner and he's getting paid and that, and then he's going to use the money to pay for this and whatever, whatever. And everyone kind of gets that. We taught right. that in high school, but and I but had the, I had the audacity to go, well, what if he was going to spend the money yeah. on something else? Yeah, What was he going to spend that money on otherwise? <laughs> yeah. I asked, I raised my hand. I was like, yeah, I was like, what if he was going to do something different with that money? Like, wouldn't that still be economic stimulation? And he was like, he, he was, he got upset with me. 
I feel <laughs> literally like I understand. And I, we didn't, I never got an answer. And that's why I quit economics. I was like, I don't understand. Apparently I'm too dumb for this. And then I found out there's schools that went down that rabbit hole with the same thought oh, yeah. process. And I was well, like, Oh, that makes fucking sense. Excuse, I feel sorry. like we're veering away from entertainment, but I do just want to <laughs> kind of, I do kind of want to put a pin in this with, um, so like I read a Murray Rothbard book uh-huh. and he brought up the broken window fallacy and it was like, Oh my God, somebody else has actually addressed this issue sure. of like, Oh, well, what if he was going to spend that, you know, hundred bucks or whatever it is to fix his window yeah. on like a new car. So now oh, that yeah. car salesman goes out of business and <laughs> well, I, uh, or that car dealership goes out of business because they didn't make a sale that day. I don't know. I, I don't listened, remember what the exact example so was. So I found a book called uh, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. That was a fun read. That was a great read. And that's the first place I saw that. And I, apparently it's a Rothbard principle. It was another great economist. Really? It was a Rothbard principle. I, I, I was it figuring it was from Rothbard. Oh, no, no. I think it was Mises because he was like, he followed Mises or something like that. You're Similar right. Similar economics. Right. Uh, but I found Hunter, Henry Hazlitt. I found that book and that's what started me. Someone recommended that. Because I told him the story of like hating economics because I didn't apparently get it. And they were like, sounds like you get it. Read this book. And I read it and I was like, oh, my God. The first <laughs> chapter talks about the window fallacy. And I was like, wow. <laughs> you know. And then he talks about all these different schools, the Chicago school, the Austrian school. And I'm like, I need to listen. So I found all these books from all these different economists from all these different schools. Uh What's funny, you mentioned Rothbard, and and, and I like Rothbard. Uh, he writes great histories and stuff too, but his economic books are some of the only ones I've never finished. <laughs> I, I They're so dry. I like, and like I They like make his- sense, and they're practical, and I love oh, the sure. praxeological element, but I'm like, I couldn't finish them. They were well, so dry well, he writes on, numerical. He writes on so many topics. Like He, he, he does economics he does history he does philosophy yeah he does a lot the history and philosophy are so much more fascinating to me well he implements the economics in a very interesting way into all that which is good but his actual writing on like economics i'm like yo all these numbers and formulas and stuff i'm just done Mises is a little more entertaining i tried reading his um because he had a whole thing on the great depression what caused it and what he believes could have gotten us out of it's it sooner and progressive all progressive era books. No, cause I read that one and I actually found it fascinating because oh, okay. there was a lot of facts um, brought up in it, but no, it was some like 80 hour audio book. Jeez. And it was like, I got maybe five or six hours in and I was like too dry. Just, yeah. I was, <laughs> it's, it's so exhausted. He's one of those guys that's frustrating it. because it's like, well, some of his stuff I've read that like the philosophy is really concise, but like, um, and you can get to the point right away. You don't get lost in it, but his histories and his economics are so dry. And it's like, it's frustrating. Cause you're like, but at least, yo history- dude, you're making good points and you're, I feel like you're making really strong arguments. Like to the point where some of this stuff, I'm like, yeah, you're right. But I don't want to listen to all these formulas. I'm so over it. At least with the history stuff, as a history buff, like I can kind of bear, like I can kind of struggle through that. Can't bear it. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like the progressive era. It was a lot of fun to read because it was, um, it was deep dive into the FDR era. It was, it was very fascinating. It was incredible. Yeah. Like the, uh, he talked about like the puritanical movement and that's role in the progressive era. And yeah, uh, it was a fascinating read. It was very dry, like you said. And it, yeah. I think that one was also like a 40-hour audiobook. Yeah. The dude wrote 
He just wrote. Extensively. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Blake, we're getting a little tight on time. We should probably start line it, uh, wrapping it up here. Do you have it? I, I, I could talk about Rothbard for a while. I think he's a very fascinating writer. Oh, yeah. Um, but do you have any interesting archives? You said you had a specific one for this episode. I did. So because I knew we were going to talk about your New Hampshire trip, uh-huh. I found an inter- interesting archive about a New Hampshire native. Oh, was it Adam Sandler? It is not Adam Sandler. Uh, okay. I specifically did not pick Adam <laughs> Sandler because we've talked about that on the show before. <laughs> I knew he was a native. No, another uh, another very famous New Hampshire eight, Ronnie James Dio. Dio's from New Hampshire? Dio was born in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. No. Yeah. On his Wikipedia here. Damn, I didn't know that. Born July 10th, 1942 in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Wow. 42. Uh, God, that he is, is old. That's not the interest. Well, he was old. Was old, yeah. Rest in power. <laughs> but that that's not the interesting archive. That's just a oh, okay. prelude. Into, like, yeah, he's a New Hampshire guy. Okay. Um. So there were a handful I that I... I couldn't quite decide between, so you, you might get a couple. Um, but the one that really fascinated me was Ronnie James Dio's grandma, uh, with whom he was very close, used to make a strange hand gesture whenever strangers would come near or pass by too close. Uh, and he learned later that this was the Maloik. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Okay. It's a hand gesture used to protect one from the evil eye. Um, so when he got the gig with black Sabbath, he started using this hand gesture and that hand gesture is the metal horns. Oh, really? Yes. The I, interesting. I, I mean, for, for all the audio listeners, we both did the metal horns. You can't see it, but I'm sure, you know, what we're talking yeah, about yeah, the, the freaking yeah, rock and index roll. finger yeah. and the pinky. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like the most iconic, the devil horns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so first of I didn't know Ronnie James Dio I didn't is know responsible yeah, for I didn't that. Know that. That's fascinating. And I didn't know that it was His actually an, an old-timey like magic thing. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Just seeing an old lady in like the 40s, 50s, like just giving devil horns to someone. That's pretty <laughs> right? hilarious. They were probably like, yeah, hell yeah, rock on, lady. No. <laughs> oh. And then... Um, So I, there was another one that fascinated me. Um, where did it go? So he was born Ronnie James Padavona. Mm-hmm. He's a Paisan. I didn't uh, realize that. He uh, he took on the stage name Dio early on in his professional music career, which he snagged from the ruthless Italian Miami mobster Johnny Dio, uh, whom he once claimed was his uncle Johnny in a moment of bad judgment. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I just, yeah, his stage name comes from a mafia guy. That's wild. He's from Portsmouth. I'm going <laughs> right? there to see if there's any Ronnie James Dio. I'm museum. sure there's something. <laughs> there's gotta be. <laughs> That's wild. That's cool, man. I well, didn't know that. And then I, this is a fact that you knew, but I don't know if all of our audience knows. Um, so you and I are both big Tenacious D fans. Yeah. Love me some D. <laughs> the D is pretty great. Yeah. Um, but so they made a movie in 2006, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. And Ronnie James Dio 
cameoed. Yeah. Not only did he cameo, he did a song for him. Yep. He was in the song. Or he at least laid down a verse. Yep. Are you about to share this the whole like trivia yeah. here? I know this trivia. Yeah, I know you know it because yeah. I'm pretty sure you're the one who told me. Okay. Go ahead. But give it to um us. So this movie was made on such a low budget and they managed to land Ronnie James Dio and they get him in the studio and his voice is so powerful. It actually blows out their recording equipment. Yeah, their equipment couldn't handle him. And that's why on the track, is it Kickapoo? Yeah, Kickapoo. On the track Kickapoo, uh, he sounds different from the way he sounds as a solo artist. Because, because the equipment he couldn't yeah. handle him. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just, it's he badass. was recorded on shitty equipment. Although, come to find out, I guess he was a little bit of a vocal comedian, or not comedian, chameleon. Okay. Because um, this one was another one on this list of fun facts I found about Ronnie James Dio. I just saw that he was from Portsmouth and. Start digging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. His bands went through numerous names and personnel changes from the Vegas Kings to Ronnie Dio and the Prophets to Elf to a lot more in between with his voice matching the musical style of each band he was in. So he actually his iconic sound. Uh, he he didn't reach that level until he got the gig with Black Sabbath. Huh. So I don't know exactly what all these different bands are that he was in beforehand. But I know they were stylistically very different from Black Sabbath and later Dio. Um, Interesting. So, like, I'm I'm curious to go check out some of these bands. Um, Elf, I know, has a couple albums that should be findable somewhere. Um, Ronnie Dio and the Prophets. I feel like I've, I've I feel like I remember reading that they had released an album at least. So. Yeah, go check some of these out. Yeah, I'm. I will be looking these up because I'm curious to see if his sound really did change yeah, that I'd be much. Curious as well, because uh, like there there are a lot of singers out there that are like that. That'll they can go from band to band and they can change their voice to me, like well, match that kind the of vocal of control makes makes sense if you're going to yeah. reach that level. So I can't control my voice like that. <laughs> no, not at all. So, uh, anyways. Yeah, that's fascinating. We should probably start wrapping it up. We you, probably should. Uh, anyways, let's do some quick plugs. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Rodolfi. I'm also on TikTok at Matt Tango. Um, I do another podcast with Mikey that you should not go listen to called They Might Be Bronies, where we say offensive things about ponies. And uh, don't go over there unless you want to hear offensive things about ponies. It's very inappropriate and wildly different from this show. Um, I also... Is that it? Is that it? I might have gotten through well, it. Well, I don't know. I mean, there's other stuff that you can I'd like plug. to plug New Hampshire. That place ruled. I had a lot of fun over there. Uh, yeah. What do you got, Blake? All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Blake Sweet Comic and also on TikTok at BSBS Comedy. You can go ahead and listen to the show that I do with Mike Ulanen and also Ellis Rodriguez. I want to thank Matt's on the show, too. Fat Tango presents our scripted comedy anthology series. That's true. And you can also go check out Forta Tango. That is the number four, T-O-T-A-N-G-O. That is where the four owners of Fat Tango Productions get together and get drunk and play stupid games. And I believe this, this week, so tomorrow at the time of release, we should be dropping another one. 
I don't know if talk to Mikey about that one. I don't know. I'm pretty sure we're all caught up on the. Uh, at least I, I know. Um, I don't think we're recording tomorrow. I don't think. No, 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 okay. no, no. At the time of release, this episode comes out on a Tuesday. Uh-huh. So I believe the next episode of Florida Tango drops. Okay. On Wednesday. Again, you have to talk to, to Mikey about that. He's the one in control. All that I know stuff. we finally started dropping episodes again. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, so check it out. Um, I, believe this next episode we played doo-doo where we had to we had to just sing a song without the words yeah and guess it yeah it was a fun game that was uh, yeah it was a lot of fun it's hard for me to explain just go check it out wherever you get podcasts or on youtube at fat tango productions if you like what we're doing at family records you can follow us on twitter at family records po we are also on instagram at family records podcast you can email us at family records at fat tango.com with uh corrections with whiskeys with family stories uh anything like that if you also if you feel so inclined we would love if you would leave us a rating and review on itunes um if it's a five-star review we'll even read it on air yeah you got any new ones probably not uh probably should do this every episode because everyone would be like wow they don't get any any reviews like at all ever no i mean (laughs) yeah that we haven't been asked, we haven't been offering the whole read it on air. So I figure maybe if we offer to read it on air, people will review. You've been offered it for weeks, bro. Well, yeah, but then we kind of backed off of that for like a month or two. Yeah, but nobody submitted, so yeah, they're not list- They don't care. Now, you know what? I'm going to take another approach. Don't leave us a five star review, and we won't read it on the air. Reverse psychology. Yeah, that's pretty exactly. Good. That's my plan. All right, y'all. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Family Records. Check out our website, fattangoproductions.com. We've got a merch store. We've got a link to our Discord. We've also got links to our other podcasts on the network. Go check them all out. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun. (sighs) All right. Now we can wrap up once Matt's done yawning. Excuse me. Yeah, go check out our Discord. You can join there and just uh, tell us that we're inappropriate and then leave. We do have an opening now. (laughs) Yeah, apparently we're down a slot. So, Uh, Anyways, thanks for joining us for another week of Family Records. Um, Until next week. Peace. Peace Late. Out. out. This has been a Fat Tango production.